Hello, test. All right. Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for a very special edition of the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast. As most of you know, usually I ramble and I grace you guys with the brilliance of my inner thoughts. Fucking with you. Um, We have uh, a guest on today, and this is a man that I have known, Jesus Christ, I think at least 20 years uh one of my favorite people out there in the new york comedy circuit is that what they call it he's got a new special out not a new special he's got a um i knew i was gonna fuck that up he's on the new uh tiffany haddish presents presents they ready season two episode six the amazing dean edwards bar what up say <laughs> what's going on look at you look at you you look great <laughs> thanks bro thanks dressing me you got a better <laughs> microphone the windscreen listen look andrew and i just went through this i just i i booked because i'm uh a lot of people don't know i'm i'm eddie murphy's vocal double for for all things donkey and uh and i just Could booked something eddie for me Oh, well, you know, you have to understand, you know, a lot of people aren't really uh, familiar with with Eddie, you know, and Eddie pre uh, Shrek, pre pre clumps and the whole nine. But Eddie was a brilliant stand up man. And and what he's doing now, you know, he's not available for everything that DreamWorks has regarding all things donkey. So when it comes to donkey, they said, you know what? I worked on Shrek the musical for about two years and then got fired right before we went to uh, Broadway, which was fine because they, Jeffrey Katzenberg said, you know what? I want I want Dean. I want Dean to be the voice when Eddie can't do it. And so it's been like a nice 13, 14 year run, man. And they no just we just. Way. Yeah, yeah, man. And so we just did uh something for Universal Beijing. Um, you know, and uh yes, yeah, it's, it's just and I and I told my agent what my agent said to me about a year ago, you know, everything's remote now, so you gotta invest in new mic equipment. I was like, hey, whatever. But then when I did this two weeks right. ago, I said, let me let me go ahead and invest. And and sure enough, that like two days later, I booked another commercial thing so i needed this at home as opposed to running through my look through <laughs> through the beats by dre yeah. joint you know no but how great is it now you know the upside of the pandemic there's a lot of stuff in this business where it's like no one of the advantages of the uh the pandemic for people like us is this whole new way and a lot of people i guess this whole new way where you don't have to leave Oh, dude. You can just do it like back in the day. I imagine before the pandemic, you had to probably go into, you know, into New yeah. York City. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Sit down. Hi, Dean. Would you like a water? Yeah. We have the little bags night. of Fritos take, over there. Take the Fritos. <laughs> Always took extra yeah. Uh, snacks. Yeah. Sorry, we're running a little bit late. So-and-so right. was late. That's another thing, too. Like they're late. So now you're late. Right. Your, your shit gets pushed back. So that's that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, no, dude, it's it's been awesome. I actually um everything anything I've booked over uh over this has pretty much just been I I've booked commercials through my phone where I just, you know, I I recorded on my on my phone um and sent in the file the MP3 and they were like, "Yeah, that." And and there've been some instances where I had to go in um and then there have been others where you know something like this the thing i did uh the commercial i did last week just patched in there's a there's a site called source connect um and and they pretty much just it's the isdn connection so that 
people that are in Manhattan connect with the people with Chicago and myself and they can direct me and hear me clearly. So, yes, it's, I'm thinking I'm, like when this stuff ends, which it seems like it's going to end soon. Yeah. Um, is that uh, office space? People oh. are really going to be looking like, wait a minute, I can just, you know, I, we can just, uh, you know, these corporate guys would be like, well, why do we need a studio? We'll just have the artist buy their own studio. Then yeah. we don't have to even buy microphones. All they need is one guy in some central thing with the mixer, yeah. however the hell they do it. Um, I don't yeah, know. I'm thinking rents, rents might finally go down in Manhattan because yeah. they'll have to open up all of that space. Look, rent has rent went down in in Manhattan, but went up in Brooklyn. So it, you know that was the Why that was the trade off. Uh, people, after I always say, because we lucked out. I bought my house before Sex in the City made made Brooklyn sexy to the rest of America. Like like you know, people that lived Did in they, Brooklyn. I thought that was still. I thought it was all about Manhattan to like the late two thousands. Nah, man. I thought I. Well, I think I think people slowly came around, but I think that was the I always say sex in the city is when people started looking specifically. You saw like white people that lived in Manhattan that were like, no, no one goes to Brooklyn. And then eventually after after, I don't know, Miranda, whomever, whatever, uh, sex yeah. in the city women, once they once they came to Brooklyn, dude, if you saw downtown Brooklyn like right now, you would. No, bug. I, I, I saw it. I saw it. Uh... God, I was in 2017. I was over there. I was doing an episode of Crashing. Okay. And my, I was with my father-in-law, and uh, he worked for Atlantic Records in like Ben. The, yeah, Ben. He worked ben. for Atl Benny Hill. He worked for Atlantic Records in the late 70s. Oh wow. Early. Yeah, he went on the road with like Parliament. He was on a boat going around Manhattan with like ACDC when they. Oh wow, that's Power dope. Power Rage album. <laughs> yeah, and the boat got stuck. He's got all these great stories, but. Um, he was standing on, you know, basically near the bridge, Brooklyn uh -huh. Bridge, and he was just sort of looking at the boat taxis. Like, I yeah, mean, it was like yeah. looking at like uh, sometimes when you see like downtown Tokyo, all the lights. He goes, "Wow, this yeah. is just like they turned this all into Disneyland." And oh, they dude. really, they really did. Because I remember yeah. a long time ago, you know, I used to do a lot of gigs and stuff out in yeah. Brooklyn, and it was like you just went over the bridge, and it was like they they cut the electricity off. It's <laughs> immediately dark. And you just felt like, man, I gotta, uh, I gotta get my head on a, on yeah, a flat, swivel. This, yeah, it was a Flatbush Avenue uh, was 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 seedy. There was a there was a strip spot. There was a strip club called Two Forty Three, that was right across uh, the the Manhattan Bridge. That as you got onto Flatbush Avenue, and I remember because. Uh, Cause Todd lay rest in peace. Todd was yeah. like, "Hey man, hey man, Tracy Morgan, he put us on to this new club downtown." And, and Tracy was like, "Yo, Dean, yo, you gotta go to two forty three, but don't wear no sweats. You can't wear any sweats. You go, you go in there, you gotta let it all hang so they feel what you packing." And now that place is condos. Now the the location where the strip club was yeah. is I remember Poke Knockers. I used to do Poke Knockers. Poke knock, poke knock is whatever it was. And right next door, there was a white castle, which I loved. And you would go in there and yeah. there was like bulletproof glass with yeah. scratch graffiti and it just looked like a dirty fish tank. Yes. And there'd be people in there and you'd be yelling on the window. No, give me six. <laughs> yo, I want, yo, add extra pickles to my, my, my white castle. Yeah, man. Yeah, you, you know what? There, like eat in there. It was fucking no. filthy. 
Oh yeah. And, and no. everything just had like those metal things that were pulled down. It was like uh the hell was that Clint Eastwood movie where he drove the bus that he had all the metal shit. That's just what it reminded me of. And you know, I left New York in like uh oh seven. And when I came back, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I mean, Brooklyn is like yeah, amazing, but I know white people always get shit for coming in, mm -hmm. but those are actually the white people that got squeezed out. They didn't want to leave. Yeah, no, no. They afford really white shit. Right, right. So then they come in, and right. then everybody... I got a dirty look the other day. I, I, I uh, live out here in L.A., and uh, I got an old pickup truck, and uh, I had this guy was fixing it up, and mm -hmm. it was in this Latino neighborhood that was just starting to switch over. Uh-oh. And you, you could just see... It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how segregated economically people are. Yeah. You yeah, see like all these like, you know, classic like LA houses. And then right. you just see one with like a fuchsia door and flowers <laughs> in the thing. Like, right. all right, the white person moved in right. there most right. likely. And, right. and there was a place over there. It was a bread place and had a really like fucking pun name. Right. right. Uh, just right. what Something you needed. Goofy. Yeah. Just oh, you needed. oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember standing there going like, oh, this would be a good place to take my wife. And as I did it, this older Latino guy drove by with his family looking at us like, he's <laughs> giving us this <laughs> look. And I was just like, all right, this is starting to change over. This is not a, uh... <laughs> so I hate seeing that shit, but, um, Tell me about like what you did. When did you shoot this thing? And and, and obviously the the uh, the Tiffany Haddish presents thing episode six is they ready? I got the whole yeah. thing. That that was something that was shot before or during the pandemic. Nah, dude, we shot it during nice. Tiffany. Yeah, Tiffany called me. You're gonna like the story and where we shot is gonna blow your mind because you're a comedy nut like I'm a comedy nut. Yeah. She calls me mid August and she's like uh, she's like Dean. Um, you ready? I'm like, well, uh, for what? And she's like, she's like, we shooting season two, first weekend of October, October second and third. So get ready. I was like, oh, boom. Wow. So so, and I, I only I hadn't been on stage since uh, March fifteenth, like everybody else. I hadn't I hadn't done any Zoom shows. Um, I did like one thing on IG Live, which was fun. Shout out to um, Ali Sadiq, but. I just, it, it's too precious. And I was, I didn't feel, it felt weird, you know, sitting right. in front of your, your computers. But my first date was at Acme in uh, the first weekend of uh, September, a great club in Minneapolis, I'm sure you know. And uh, I and never got I just, passed there. Really? Really? Yeah. Dude, dude. I went yeah. there and I did this too. They, when I, when I tried to get in there, man, they just had beasts. It was like the early 2000s and it was okay. like, you know, Dana Gould, Margaret Cho. Okay. Uh, 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 what's his face? Uh, Bob Odenkirk would play there. David Cross. Okay. Mark Marin. It was. It was Patton Oswalt. It was really like like Patton. Probably was one of the newer guys at that. Right. Point. So right. He definitely leaned alt. Right. And I came in there with my uh, Greenwich Village horseshit. And we just, <laughs> with the with the lean, they were like, "Why are they? Why are these guys from New York leaning on their microphones?" Yeah. Because we yeah. walk everywhere, we're tired. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. So I always wanted to play then, and it never, it never quite worked out. And I got a kick out of one time I saw a female comic who didn't get in, and she was bitching. 
saying it was like sexism or something like that. I just want to be like, you know, just to put your vagina at ease here. That's a really difficult club to get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It, so anyway, it, so you 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 did a uh, weekend out there. So I so I had that weekend lined up, and then I just I hit my agent and said, "Listen, man, we have this thing coming up. I need I need micro microphone time. I need my reps." And so they lined up some that uh, at the Comedy Connection in Rhode Island and uh, and Helium. In, oh yeah, in, you uh, see the green rooms in the bank vault, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I like that club. That was my first time playing that club, man. And that club uh, had is a- great. It used to be brutal. When I first came up, the sound was so f- they couldn't because the bank with the high so thing. high, right? Oh yeah. Oh, I had some. I had, oh, I had some rough ones in there. <laughs> <laughs> you and, did two uh, weekends to get ready for TV. And and helium in uh, in Indianapolis was was the weekend before we shot. And uh, and with what I the. the most of the material I was fine with, but I had this whole this my last six minutes was this whole sort of a DC Bennett. Benny called it a crescendo of impressions where I just I had this whole scene drawn out and I needed to run that. Right. And I was able to get it, you know, because we we all used to tape our sets. Right. Like Ian gets on me all the time. Ian Edwards, he's like, yo, how come everything we used to do when we first started we stopped doing when that's what made and I was like, because we started making money. Ian. <laughs> I gotta I gotta do Ian Ian one one sentence. I don't be rude. That's it. I don't be rude. <laughs> <laughs> when he when he like when he's he sets something up, right, right. Set up the scenario and then just be like, now, I don't wanna be rude. And then immediately the crowd's just like, oh shit, what's he gonna say? Right, right. right. That's anyway. That's the passive aggressive Jamaican English uh seeping out of him that he can't hold back his tongue. Um so I I worked it out, man, recorded my sets, and I was going back to the hotel and listening to everything, man. And uh and we we had to fly out this we shot Friday and Saturday. So I flew out the Sunday after my weekend in India Indianapolis and just sat in a hotel room for three or four days before they had to give us our COVID test. And then actually I did, you know what I did? Um you guys think the all things comedy in crowd. Uh oh, yeah. yeah, out in Glendale, I think. <laughs> that was my last set before I shot. And so uh Godfrey was on it as well. And uh, went out and I, cause I just wanted to get a feel for LA, right? And oh, um, and then yeah, we sh- I, I did a million sets with. <laughs> and then we shot. We shot at uh, we shot the same place that Richard Pryor shot uh in Long Beach, Long Beach Terrace Theater. Terrace Theater, yeah, I played there. Yeah, yeah I man. played it specifically because of that, and it took me like an hour to figure out how to get in it. <laughs> like, you can't. You can't. See it and like even like the Google Map thing couldn't figure out right right where it was. Yeah, he shot no. that one there, and then the live on Sunset Strip was the uh, the one right there on like uh, Argyle and Sunset. Uh, yeah, the Palladium. The Palladium. The Palladium. I can't wait for all of that stuff to come back. So anyway, dude, like, you, you I'm, I'm, to do your set. Like, how did uh, how did it go? Were you were you extra nervous? Like, fuck. I'm not a nervous dude, but this was the first time in a long time that I felt that I felt super anxious because uh, that we taped two nights. And so on Friday night, um, I was the first comic. Right? So I was like, damn, I'm the sacrificial lamb. Um, and, 
you know, we go out and the audience is masked. The audience is masked. Um, they're socially distanced and we're shooting out outside. So what um, Paige Hurwitz and, and, and Push It Productions, they built a stage in the front of the theater. So we only we did like the talk back. We did uh, episode seven of They Ready is me, Tony Woods, Godfrey, Barbara Carlisle, Kim Clark, Aaron Jackson, Tiffany sitting on stage inside, just all sort of toss, just, you know, doing what we do, like trading right, right. stories and whatnot. But then outside is the stage. I go on first and uh, maybe seven minutes in, I, as I go to hit a punchline, a loud motorcycle uh. <laughs> rolls by <laughs> and... I'm like, I got to make this. So I trudge on and then another one goes by and then stage right. One of the spotlights goes out. It's nighttime. So I'm dark. So I, I said, so I pivoted and said something quickly that got a laugh and just aimed it to stage left. And I think Godfrey had a he two helicopters go by while he was on. But you know the funny, I really believe that stuff happens almost every set. You just don't notice or care. Right, right. Yeah. Did you riff about the motorcycle or were you just like I trudged do the motorcycles? I had to riff about the light, man. Cause at that point I was like, Well, this is a bust. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that... The second you used the word trudged the second time, I'm like, <laughs> all right, Dean didn't like his set. I, no, no. Oh, I, I was I was pissed. I was pissed. Right. because also I was first. And then what makes you feel a little better is everybody had something happen during this set so you're like okay so i'm not just it's not just me i don't suck it's just the situation right. the flip side saturday happens i think it was great similar to how when prior did uh live on the sunset strip and the first night sucked right but that second night yeah. he came out and blazed them man and so night number two everybody was on their a game godfrey went on first instead of last he crushed it and everybody just sort of ran Ran the uh, Godfrey's the actually a great person to put on first because he has all that experience, all those years hosting at the cellar. Yeah, yeah. So he knows how to get him going. So if he yeah. he used to have to start him from a dead stop. So if there was right. already a host, Tiffany getting him going. Right, right. He can take it to the uh, to the next level. Yeah, you man. know I and hadn't heard that story. Um, they actually had about Richard Pryor bombing mm -hmm. the first night. They actually have a framed picture of the article, the review. Really? The, the whole weekend. And then Richards was saying how he went out there and for whatever reason, the first night he did his act backwards. Oh, started wow. with the, he, he, I think he had like a Patrice thing. Uh -huh. He had to kind of go down first before he went back up. Like, oh, he had to make it a little. Yeah. Like, it was like, like there was something about like, Hey man, the crowd's warmed up and it's going to be great. Something right. about that. Yeah certain comics it makes them want to ruin it yeah so it's like you know kind of awful and then like the pressure's bad gone then at that mm -hmm. i used to have a thing where the only time i would get nervous if somebody said it was a great crowd you're gonna kill that would yeah. make me nervous but yeah. if they said they were awful and they were terrible uh -huh. i would relax because it's just like well they're terrible there's no pressure for me to do well and then i would go on stage right. and i would do well and I uh -huh. would actually do worse in front of crowds that wanted to laugh <laughs> like this really frustrating three year period of my career where I would I would get I would get so fucking nervous 
standing on the other side of that, uh, particularly Saturday nights at the comic strip, the first club uh -huh. I had passed at in New York, when, you know, that place was just like so alive on yeah, that early yeah. show. And on, there was some kid up there. I can't remember his name. They said, oh, you got to go on after him. Uh, you know. Oh, that's uh, yeah. I I still hate when people do because because people also have done this. Well, now now we're all you know vets, and so it's no biggie. But nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> nobody wants wants to hear. Oh, how are you going to follow uh, Rich Voss or whomever? But I didn't know back then that that was them projecting their own bullshit. Right, right. It's like, oh, you're afraid to go after this guy. I don't even know this guy. I just right. got here. But now that you said that. Now that just went into my head, like, oh, this guy's hard to follow. Right. He right. wasn't. No, but you know, I, I remember he the. Uh... He was, uh, he had like a cutesy, you know, I'm not going to get into it. You'll know who he, it is. He, 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 he had, <laughs> after we hang up, I want to know, but he probably had some, some, his, his signature bit that everybody knew. And that was his, that was his, oh, you don't want to follow that bit. You know what's then, funny about that guy is uh, years later, you know, like when somebody gives you that 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 compliment that's really just a pat on the head and that uh -huh. they're still putting themselves. Yeah, yeah. I got some bullshit gig and he goes, oh, yeah, I heard you got that. I heard you got that thing. I said, oh, yeah, I did. He goes, oh, congratulations. He's like, yeah, that, that's good for you. <laughs> they said, that's good for you. I, I and, you know, me, German, Irish, I never forgot it. Of course not. When the fuck did I say you were one of my heroes? <laughs> the fuck did I say I needed a pat on the head from you, you fucking hack? Goo goo gaga bullshit. Ugh. No, I definitely I wanted to. That, dude, I'm talking, this was like 20 years ago. Not 20, right. probably 15. And uh, I, I don't ever think about it, but if the name comes up and the face yeah. comes up, oh, yeah. I literally say every single time what I wanted to say in that moment. Right. Of course. But you know it's funny because we always remember. I, you know, who remembers especially Nia. Nia remembers everybody who did you wrong because she was the cushion that you'd go. Because my wife does the same thing. Like people, they're they're people. I forgot that I had a grudge or I was pissed off at people, and the wives don't forget any of it because they were with us through that whole. And well, they I'm heard, such an asshole. My wife usually roots for the other person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think he might have a point. And I'd be like, why do you always take this side? Because like, you're an asshole. And I was like, <laughs> all right, well, not always. No, I, I had a, <laughs> I'm reading this book right now called The Verbally Abusive Relationship. And I thought the whole time I was going to read it, I was going to be like, yeah, that's you. And that's fucking you. And I was reading like, oh, shit, I do that. Oh, there's another thing that looks pretty familiar. So uh, that, that that was her Christmas gift to you. <laughs> no, another like, comic told me to buy it. Oh, that's funny. And he's goes, you should buy it, man. But no, because uh, we were just we were doing a gig together. We were just talking about childhoods. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude, you have the exact same childhood I do. I read this book. It really helped me out. And hmm. I, I read the book. It's really like helping me out. I had to push through because it was written a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of like it's just all geared to women getting verbally abused and there's right. no sort of dynamic that that can go the other way. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. So I'm just like, Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. It's always us. Right. That was me for like the first 40 pages. Right. I'm just right. like, all right, I'm not getting anything out of this book because I'm getting mad at the author. Right.
And then, so after page 40, that it was sort of the breakthrough where you're like, I had to kind oh. of go back and reread it and be like, all right, that was me uh, going like, all right, I've done a lot. Of, I don't do like the people in my life when I grew up, it was, you know, 24 seven, hundred mm -hmm. percent for the most part. Me, it was just like when uh, I would lose my temper and then afterwards she would call me on it. Mm -hmm. And I would just be like, you know, defending, flipping out. Right. <laughs> Being like, you know, what's funny. This is like, this is how bad I am. Like she does preemptive shit. Uh -huh. This is why I'm, I'm like trying to finally fix this. Like the way I worked on comedy, I, got, I really have to work on this. So we were supposed to go get the vaccine mm -hmm. because they opened it up to people in show, in show business, entertainers right. in front of a crowd, you're pulling a crowd in, you know, blah, 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 hopefully, you know? Right. So, um, we call it. So my wife goes, Hey man, I, I, we got this thing up in Northridge, which is way out in the Valley, all the way mm. up top, up where the fucking Manson family ranch was right. Right. right, somewhere up there, off the fucking one eighteen. So she's just like, all right. So just to let you know, so I said, Oh, we can get it. Okay, great, great. Cool. Four o'clock. Got it. I'll be there Four forty, whatever. I'll be there. So she goes, all right, but just to let you know, there is an outside chance that they might turn us away. And I'm like, <sighs> I got it. I got to turn this way. She goes, well, if they do, sometimes they have some extra ones laying around and they'll give you that. And I go, all right, cool. And then, but she just kept saying that we weren't going to get it. And then it just got me so fucked. I was just like, well, then what the fuck are we going for? Right. <laughs> I'm doing like this shit. Right. So then of course we get up there standing in the fucking Disneyland line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The sea of humanity just up there. A lot of sweatpants. Right obese people qualifying and shit right right and uh and we're standing there and uh and uh, uh i don't have my driver's license you uh, know some stupid reason but no i've had the registration on my car so you can use that too oh, so good. all right so i've been fucking stand in the line and of course we get up there and i'm just and i'm just like all right i'm saying i'm reading the book do not lose your shit do not lose your temper so i go nia why don't you handle this i'll just hang back here and i'll just be like i'm the dopey husband Tell me where to sign. So she gets up there and she's talking. And she's talking. Uh -huh. And then the lady's talking. And then she's talking. I can't quite hear what's going on. You know, I got the masks on and shit. Uh -huh. And it uh -huh. just gets to the point of like, oh, this ain't going well. Why is she talking way more to these other people? And then right. like, so I kind of step in a little more and I hear that they're turning us down. Uh. That we can't fucking get the thing and blah, 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 blah. And then I just had to ask. I was just like, so let me get this straight. You can make an appointment. You can get an appointment and then you can come here and still not be qualified. And she goes, well, yeah, that's because the website doesn't understand that up here, blah, blah. And I was like, I interrupted. I go, don't you think you should work that out before people drive all the way up here? I didn't raise my voice. I said that. Then I quickly okay. thought like they're trying to vaccinate the entire country. Give him some slacks. And then I just, then I just said, you know, fuck it. Who gives a shit? And then my wife was mad. Was, ma was mad at who? At the situation at or first you? She tried to put it on me. She goes, why did you yell at them? I go, I didn't yell at them. She goes, you were giving them shit. I go, well, what the fuck? I go, that wasn't a legit question. If I'm not qualified, just tell me when I'm home. Don't have me drive 40 uh. minutes each way. So... And then I was just like, ah, oh, whatever. You know what? I need a new cell phone charger. There's a fucking Best Buy over there. Let's go in there. So I went in 
and I got something out of it. I drove, I drove fucking an hour and a half round trip to get a fucking car charger. You know what, Bill? That's called progress because yes. 10 years ago, you might not have reacted that way. And here's what's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm calling foul or, or your wife, because to me, outside of looking in, that seems like she was pissed but she couldn't put it on the woman. She had to maintain her cool. So then when you just asked a simple question, she got to project. Uh, I, I had a little mustard on it when I asked it. Okay. <laughs> I, I went a little, uh, 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 what's his face? Ian, I, I don't be oh. rude. I went a little <laughs> bit like that, right? So so then we got in the car and she tried to put it on me that I was mad. I said, I wasn't that mad because I was like, fuck, I failed again. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. Full blown, but I kind of failed again. But then we got in the car and I looked over and I saw a look on his face when we were driving home. And she called a few people and she was mad. And I was looking at her yeah, like, oh, yeah. look at you. I go, you're mad. Yeah. I didn't get that mad. You were right. fucking mad. And I just right. teased you the whole way home. And, you know, my wife's fucking awesome, man. We were right. laughing within of like course. Of course. 10 minutes. And then what's funny is she went ahead today and she goes, yeah, I got an appointment to get the vaccine. And she got one without me. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, now you know how Leonardo felt in the end of fucking Titanic. So you're up on the board now. I'm sitting in the frigid you're water. Sitting. Yeah. So I don't. You're about to float away. It's like, I, they're gonna open it up to everybody. So right. if something doesn't happen before they open it up to everybody, then I'm just gonna wait for that. The same way I did with flat screen TVs when they right. first came the out, rush. they were like yeah. fifteen fucking grand. Right. And right. Bobby and all of them bought them when they Bobby and right. them bought them when it was like they were like 35, yeah. 4,000, right. five, five grand, something fucking crazy. Have it happened first. Dude, <laughs> you know, my TV's only this thick, right? Those things, <laughs> they were huge. Right. So, yeah, I kept my square TV until like 2008 when I moved out to LA. Right. No, even then, I kept it. I kept it until, uh, yeah, like it kind of became like this badge of honor that I still had the fucking That's thing. hilarious. Watching like Matlock and shit on it, right? <laughs> so I feel like the Pfizer and all that Johnson & Johnson thing is going to be the same way. Like there's going to be this mad rush when, people, when it yeah. first happens. And then eventually you'll just be able to fucking walk in. Get a, yeah, that's me. That's me. Filling I'm up not, like I'm a tank person. of gas, rolling up your sleeve. Right. Yeah, stick it in. Right. <laughs> you don't even have to stop. You're just literally sitting in the, in the drive through. Yeah. With it. That's funny. That's I'm feeling funny. there's going to be some people that are going to be like, all right, I'm too afraid to get the, uh, the vaccine. Let everybody else get it. And everybody else gets it. Then it's going to burn out. And then what's going to happen is they're going to get it. They're going to get the COVID. Mm. And they're going to keep it fucking going. And uh, to me, I always think of sci-fi movies. I do and too. Then it's like the vaccinated start hunting down. Right, non-vaccinated. It's like I am Legend. That was all idea. Uh, the premise of I am Legend was someone uh, created a cure for cancer, um, and then it mutated and created these these sort of vampire slash zombie night walkers. And why do they always got to go vampire zombie? Isn't there what happened? Just happened to monsters. <laughs> They're getting lazy with the makeup. They you just know make what an uglier version of you <laughs> rather than these back in the day stick straws up your nose and you had fucking all this hair and shit now it's right. just, it's zombie bill <laughs> you know what i just you know it's funny i just caught myself 
I that's the first time. Anytime I still call you Billy Man, and and, and yeah, I thought about back in the day still does. I was I, I, then Billy, then Billy, because you know what happened? Somebody in Boston got in my head. Uh, Bill Burr, that just doesn't sound. That doesn't sound right. There's no ring to it. Really? Yeah. And then I was like, so then I went to New York. It's just like, oh, my name stinks. I do. I it it like I had nothing. Where it was, if you if you told me to change my name name to Michael Michelson, I would have done it. Like when I came to like New York, like I was just like, what? And anytime anybody called me like Billy, I was just like, my parents used to call me this when I was. I mean, I don't mind it or anything like that, but just right, right, right. I didn't want to be known as that. And it took right. me like three years to get the courage up to say to a host, just just call me Bill. <laughs> Bill is Bill. Like that's how beaten down I was as a kid. Like I had like zero self-esteem so now when i hear it it actually i like it because it reminds me of this period in new york that was uh probably the biggest growth right in stand-up when i started doing like you know sunday night at the boston and poke right. and all that stuff and started uh running into you people <laughs> uh, but it, you know what I, I gotta give you give you your props man and i always tell people um, I was talking to DC Benny about this um, when I had him on my uh, DC Monday would be night in those show. rooms. He'd be over at Nell's. No, but that that hey, was a thing. Hey, hey, Y'all were just funny. You didn't pander, right? When you would come oh, I and did do it first. At first, I did. Oh, did you? Oh, I did. I did my whole scared to be in. Did you do a dance? I, was, uh, I didn't do that. Okay. Um, no, you know what I used to do? I used to have him play the hardest fucking hip hop possible. Uh huh. Right. No, no. Old, uh, Honest John did that. Whatever. They would always play some fucking rap thing. Right, right. So my thing was that when they would play, because everybody else, you know, they'd be up there doing all this right. shit. I would just come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. Jesus <laughs> Christ. And then they immediately would just be laughing like, right. oh, all right, this is like Archie Bunker. He's just going to be, he's going to be a white dude. So I always told other white comics, I go, it's, it's all about the first laugh. Yeah, yeah. Once you get the first laugh, then it's easy. The, the, the hardest thing is the first laugh. Once you get the first laugh, then you become like a mascot. <laughs> like, oh, isn't that quaint? The white guy. I find right. this white guy amusing. Right. You're getting like extra laughs. And then you're watching all the black comics have to do almost backflips. Right. <laughs> like chuckle. And then that's when I went back to the cellar. Right. I would watch black comics go on in front of, you know, white crowds. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why I started making fun of Patrice. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, oh, look at this white lady over here grabbing her purse. It's like, quit your fucking pandering. Just go up and do your shit. <laughs> I feel like a mole on a polar bear's ass and all of that stuff. We get it. Right. Right. Yeah, we get it. Six, you're five, black. Right. Pounds. We can see right. you're black. Right. I miss no, I, I miss fucking um, trashing him. About yeah, dude. And all of that. Dude, I, uh, I salute to you guys for. Um, for for the for the killing Aziz man that it it, it was weird watching like Von I called me killing Aziz I was like what the fuck did we do there <laughs> killing is easy killing <laughs> is easy Aziz Not went through enough shit after one bad date Jesus Christ don't fucking take the guy out my God <laughs> oh killing is easy the documentary man I enjoyed it because uh, Vaughn had hit me and she was like, she was like, you know, she was, she was real. She was like, just want, I want to let you know, 
we wanted to include everyone, but we had to cut your stuff. And I was like, Vaughn, I said, I know he was my friend. I don't need, I said, it would have been nice. Dude, they had to cut so much, so much shit. Right. So I wasn't tripping. I wasn't tripping. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah, there was a lot of stuff, but, but, um, the whole all I did on that thing was that it, if Mike Bonfiglio is the guy, he's right. the guy that put the right. whole thing together. Right. And then Vaughn and Georgia filled in all of the uh him not being a comic type of stuff. Yeah. Um and then all I did, he'd be like, Hey, can can you do you know this comic? Can you can mm-hmm. you call him? And I would just just send him comedians. That would right, right. Uh Mike Bonfiglio, he also did the uh the 30 for 30, the Daryl. Doc and Daryl, the one on the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew like when I saw the first rough cut Mm -hmm. and they went all the way back to Patrice's childhood and the pictures and the buildings and where he grew up. I mean, I knew Patrice for like almost 20 years. I I was like riveted. And that was just on a rough cut. And I was just like, okay, this is great. Because there was a couple of um, people going like when they saw the trailer were, you know, saying like this looks like stuff i've already seen mm-hmm. and i was just like i don't, I was like okay it's gonna once you sit down and watch right. it like right. i loved i was talking to dane cook about like i love patrice's friends from his neighborhood yeah they, yeah dane was like they were like an old married couple like talking over <laughs> each other and then yeah. they ended on the same thing yeah and yeah. uh and then also to see that he was the the there was that patrice thing even back then uh-huh. Like yeah. talking to women and then divide and conquering. She's bringing your whole right. thing down <laughs> and all of that stuff. Right, right, right. Like, uh, yeah, I'm very happy the way uh, that turned out. And I was talking to Patrice's mom the other day and she's like, mm. she's like, it was wonderful. I watched it like four times and blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Yeah. And you, yeah. you know what? It humanized them. Like, like, you know, in the, in the decades since, you know, unfortunately passed, um, you know, I have people asking me about him and they, they hold him up, which is dope, but they hold up the legend of Patrice and, and you know, the whole thing right, right, and right. his thing. I'm like, nah, he was, he was, he was actually a good friend. If you got, got the chance, if you were fortunate enough to just break bread and hang out. You, you know, know what I realized about him a long time. I always cut people off. Finish that thought. I, right. No, no, no. But it was, uh, it was, he was just, it was, it was dope to, to that. You could see him with a mill, just being a dad, just, you know, yeah, just, I didn't know that stuff. Yeah, man. That was, he, he called me, I was talking about the Shrek thing, man. One, one of my favorite memories of, uh, of him was, um, when I was working on, you know, people started finding out that I that I was working on Shrek the Musical. He calls me one day. He's like, Yo, Dean, what? Um, yeah, so you're doing this? Uh, you're doing the uh the Shrek thing, huh? I said, Yeah, man. I said, Yeah, it looks like I said, it looks like your boy's gonna be in Broadway. He's like, Yo, you know, not for nothing, but if you if you if you can get some tickets for me and Vaughn and, and the daughter, I said, dude, I said, I would be honored if y'all came. Um, that And to me, that was just a dope. It was a, because you're used to walking into the, the, the cellar and I'm like, oh, Dean's wearing, he got on, got on your, your college gear. Dean's got that knack of money, you know, whatever. You stink. I'm like, I'm just. You feel bad for doing well. 
Right, right. But that's that's what we did. And right. so it was just nice, nice. The same way I was able to see that and you were able to see that in in your your intimate moments where it was just you and him one on one. Me and him one on one. I think the world got to see that through the uh, through the documentary. And yeah. I, I thought that was no, he was an but... amazing friend. I realized years yeah. after his death, I was watching an old Sanford and son that he was doing a little bit of Red Fox. Uh... <laughs> You know, Grady, it, it's oh, yeah. pausing and shit. So yeah. I was like, ah, oh, I was so upset that I it took to after he died that I figured that out. I was just thinking, like, oh, oh I could have fucking <laughs> so started. Fuck. All I would have had to float. do was start that. Then Keith would have been like, ah, oh, yeah. we steal from Red Fox. And we would have right. trashed the shit out of him. Oh, dude, dude. And then yeah. gone downstairs and watched him when he went on, when he went on stage. So. <laughs> right, right, um, man. Well, I'm looking forward to, obviously... I mean, I haven't been, I, I was, you know, it's funny. I was actually in New York when mm -hmm. you guys were, were taping the uh, Tiffany Haddish Day Ready. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. I was back your old stomping grounds. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your old TV show there. I was back. Oh, there. right, right. I, I texted you, man. I was, dude, I was, let me tell you something. Y'all have to understand. I get it. I just told somebody this. I said, I still get geeked when I see any of my friends on TV in movies i'm still the dude because i'm such a fan of everybody right i and and i'm such a fan of just seeing us all win because i remember like you said being in port knockers and two steps down and these hole in the wall <laughs> yeah. you know these these restaurants that had a tuesday night comedy thing right and remember labar bat labar bat oh. <laughs> who else talent hosted that right did was it yeah yeah oh. man yeah all of those hole in the wall so so to see when you were doing SNL, and it's funny because you must have had a new phone. So I text, I was like, yo, dude, do your thing. And, and I get <laughs> the, the text said, Edwards? <laughs> and I said, yeah, man. He was like, oh, dude, thanks. Thanks a lot, man. So and, you know and, what happened was I don't use the cloud. Okay. And I dropped my phone in a toilet. Oh, damn. And that was it. And I wasn't going to go get it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a public toilet. I was like, ah, fuck. Um, so uh yeah so that's how i didn't so that's happened to me with a number of people mm, okay I feel like okay. there's a few people that have probably texted me and i didn't know who they were and now they think that i'm like big leaguing them and it's just like no, all right 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 out of technology so no. i apologize for that no but no no but you you responded and once you realized it was me it was it was all love so yeah. I, I don't trip on that stuff. I um I, I put a picture up. Hold up. I got to show you this because you're going to laugh. I put a picture up of uh I found on my laptop a picture of when Kev's uh, eldest daughter now when heaven was born. Oh, and I wow. found it in my <laughs> found it in my laptop. And I was like, oh, I got to post this. If, if for no, I don't have his most current number. But dude, look at this. Uh, <laughs> this this is this picture of. of of Lil Kev the Bastard. Oh my God. Wow. He wasn't the bastard though then. He, was he our, wasn't the bastard anymore. He's he, he, he was little Kev the bastard when, when he was uh in Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that yeah. point he was he was in LA and so he was just he, he was just Kev. Him, he told him to stop doing that. Then he was little Kev. Right. And then he said, like, listen, just go by your goddamn name. Stop right. with this street shit. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, dude. So good to sort of see you. 
Yay, bro. Uh, I'll, I'll take yeah, it, I'm really happy for that. And, and uh, Thanks, brother. Tiffany's such a great person there, too. Oh, like, the best, man. Yeah, creating yeah. all this stuff for everybody yeah. else to do. Yeah, uh, man. Which yeah, is man. great. So that, that Congrats is to Tiffany. now. Yeah, yeah, we we premiered uh, uh, February second. Man, it's streaming. It's in it's streaming in perpetuity on Netflix. They ready season two. Um, you know, episode I'm episode six. six, but but everybody, I episode mean, episode six, night two. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Too, I was watching. I was like, yeah, they, yeah, they just cut all of uh night one, night one which yeah, this... which was wise, which was wise, yes, man. And uh, yeah, man, thanks, thanks. Tell tell Ben I said what's up. I, I just was watching an old Showtime at the Apollo, uh, on on Tubi. Like they just that's run. Not, them. That's the first time I met Nia. Are, seriously, yeah, August of two thousand. We didn't start dating until like three years. Right, later. August of two thousand. I was standing. Summertime, it was all light out, and I was standing in the alley behind the Apollo, yeah. listening yeah. to somebody getting booed. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck am I doing here? And she was there checking people in. Right. And he took me up the back fire escape. Uh, it was hilarious. This is when Harlem was Harlem. Because right. after I taped, right. he walked me to the subway, and it was still broad daylight. Yo, that's, <laughs> yo, Ben. So I'm like, hey, just go here, and you make sure you get the downtown train. Your future father in law walked you to the subway and i just met my wife and i had no idea dude that's that's wild wow yeah. that's yeah. crazy that's that's insane yeah so that's... obviously new york now what kills me is if if i go up there there's probably some sort of artisan cupcake fucking <laughs> right right where the hell we were standing there but um right there's still some some pockets of harlem that still feel like like to me harlem still is more harlem than brooklyn is brooklyn like brooklyn is looks like a different city when you're downtown but harlem still if you, you go like 116th if you go to some of the um like yeah. frederick frederick douglas you still still get a feel of what harlem was yeah i remember we used to do uh what the hell was what the hell was that one up on uh was it on fifth it was um, on saint nick Way up, uh, that little jazz bar, uh, 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 bartender boogie. Not, not Sylvia's. Um, ah, and I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my. Yeah. God. Yeah. I know. I know exactly. One time I did a gig in there, and uh, there was that dude. Um, don't say what club he worked at. He was a waiter. Okay. His name was okay. Was Curtis. Yow. Yo, what's up? Oh, yeah. Yo, what's up? What's up, bitch? Well, I don't know if he's la I don't know what he was. White, Latino. I you didn't know what he was. Right. He was he was he was he was ethnically ambiguous, but all all the way gay. Yeah, yeah. And dropped the N-word every other Yes, he yes he did. N-words out there. They ain't laughing at shit, motherfucker. You're just gonna have to fucking motherfucker, motherfucker, N-word, N-word, right? That's a good impression. So we fucking we're up there, right? In this this uh this little jazz bar, whatever the fuck it's called. And I'm waiting to go on. I'm the only white guy in there. And then there's him. And then he's, and there's this guy on stage and he wasn't funny. And he was just going, yo, you ain't funny, motherfucker. And we're get off the stage. Just take that shit. Get the fuck out of it. And he's looking at him, not knowing him being like, uh, excuse me, uh, sort of light skinned Latino, maybe like, don't right. say that fucking word and blah, 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 blah. Right. And he goes, whatever, motherfucker, you a punk ass. Mm. Right, mm. he, goes, he goes, motherfucker, say that shit again. <laughs> and he leaned forward. He goes, yo, you a punk? Oh, and this dude picked up a fucking chair. People, yeah, yeah, because it was an older, 
Right, wow. right, 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 right. Yeah. All yeah. this shit happened, and then fucking, I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> and it's just like coming to the stage next. <laughs> this next guy uh, comes from a little further downtown. I'm like, uh, and everybody's looking at me. Of course. Well, you must be with him. You must be with that guy. Yo, yo, B- B- Billy, let I me ask. Thought about that. What Smokey had that room up in uh, East Smokey, Harlem that uh, was like a lecture hall. Ah, that, yeah. that lady threw the shoe at me. <laughs> Like fucking Kareem threw it all the way up and I was leaning forward. It almost hit me in the nuts. And then she was a big woman and she came down to get it. And I was just like, what the fuck is going <laughs> to happen here? Because I was making fun of her shoe. And then <sighs> sort of hugged it out. And I felt the tension. Right. New York when it, when it was like that. Yo, dude. And just... that shit, dude, that shit was all like fucking, that was like 25 blocks away from where I lived. Just right. completely... Different fucking world. Um, yeah, man. Once you cross 96th Street, it was it was a different planet. I lived on but- 97th and Lex. And my oh. fucking, when I missed a package, my fucking package would go up to Spanish Harlem. I'd be like, ah, fuck. I can't get it now. The sun's going down. And I try to get there at like nine in the morning when all the hustlers were asleep. And I try to put on my toughest fucking LLB. <laughs> and I would just walk up the street. You know the, the the black knitted thing, just not you, looking. You at had it. you had a Sean John sweatsuit yeah. for just that occasion. Anytime you had to go pick up your one packages, of my regrets was keeping it real and not buying one of those. I was just like, because I, I love those things that I was those just the, like, nah, yeah. I'm already doing the black rooms. I'm gonna be look like I'm trying too hard. And he thinks he's AG like, White. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, AG Burr. He's gonna get a fucking headband next. Yo, you got a handle? I'll be all right. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to yo, do it. Yo, let me ask you this. And uh, if you ever, if you ever feel I do a Monday night, <laughs> I do a Monday night podcast on Instagram Live. And I've had everybody from Gaffigan. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, dude, I love just just for the for that story. <laughs> it's hilarious because I, I did um Drew Frazier's room, Manhattan Proper. The Manhattan Proper. E to the end. Jamaica yeah. Queens. Yeah. I get out there, you know, look like fucking Grand Theft Auto, right? Is 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 that glove is literally in the hood. Like I am a black man. And I would drive there and before going on stage, I'd have to say to myself, all right, you know what? Last time you did I, right, I think we're gonna be all right. And then you get in there and somebody's, you know, humping a, a chair and talking about roaches. I'm like, they don't want to. I remember I went in there one time and, and one crew got into it with another crew. It was a metal detector when you came in and one crew chased another crew out of the fucking building and Drew just had the DJ playing and he's doing like the puffy thing. That's right. Okay. That's right. Bad uh, yeah, boy, right? Okay. And, then, and then the second they're out of the thing and he was just like, all right, you all clap it up, clap it up, clap it up. That's great. Coming That's... to the stage. And I'm like, yeah, not a white guy. Can't bring a <laughs> I think I was out there with Rudy Rush, and Rudy Rush was dying laughing. <laughs> Rudy sitting there like, nah, you about to go on next. <laughs> you do your thing, bitch. Do your thing. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. Then he's driving home. <laughs> that laugh he had just fucking laughing at me. Right, <laughs> I'm going to go over here, dude. I, I, got a, I got some stupid conference call in like eight minutes. Um, all right, bro. So great yeah. to see you. Uh, text me 
I, I will. Over my phone now. Uh, <laughs> okay. So uh, let me know when that then that Instagram live thing the next time you do it. I don't okay. know about this Monday, but definitely one of these Mondays. No, no, one, one, yeah, something in the, in the future. I just right, bro. Bits, gave myself the out. I don't yeah. know about this Monday. <laughs> one of these Mondays, you took it. No, I'll definitely do it. Yo, All Bill, right. much love, brother. Thanks, thanks for having me. All right, Peace, Dean yo. Edwards, everybody, look for him uh, streaming in perpetuity. In perpetuity on, uh, ready. on Netflix. Episode they ready. Six. Set number two. Thank you. Season two, episode six. And follow I am Dean Edwards because that's who I am. Thanks, brother. All right. Thank you, Dean. All right, everybody. Today's episode of the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast was brought to you by Herb Sider uh, from Tim Alexander, the incredible drummer from Primus. Uh, If you love hard cider, this is the one you want to get. Not only is it absolutely delicious, you also get my listeners get a 15% off discount. Use the promo code Bill, B-I-L-L, at HerbsCider.com, C-I-D-E-R. Um, oh, look who it is, everybody. Indochito. Uh, discuss how little things or small gestures can mean a lot in a relationship. Yeah, the other day, you know what? I taught my daughter how to ride a bike, and I was laying there in bed, and my wife said to me, she said, hey, Bill. I said, hey, what? She said, you're a really good father. And it made me feel good about myself. Uh, Share an example. Uh, A love is defined by little things. I just did that. With Indochino, the perfect custom wedding suit with every detail accounted for is more affordable than you think. Yeah, why are you going to blow a bunch of money? You're marrying a woman. She's already going to vacuum it out of your pocket. You need to save it up for the dumb shit she's going to buy. Share a story of a surprising way a couple you know has met. Or an interesting way they show their love. Oh, you know, my next door neighbors are Furbies. And uh, recently they bought a pair of raccoon outfits. You know, but that's what, how they like to do it. Uh, no two love stories are the same. So why wear wear an off-the-rack suit to a wedding? With Indochino, a made-to-measure, fully custom suit comes at a more affordable price. Uh, personal endorsement. This is mandatory. Talk about your experience with the product. Well, when, you know, I got married, uh, evidently I went to Indochino, even though they didn't exist yet. And boy, oh boy, nobody noticed. Did you book a virtual stuff? I didn't do any of this. Describe your, I didn't do any of this. The best part, I should have done this for the fucking Grammys if I knew it was on the internet. (laughs) I should have gone to Indochino. Um, next time I get, uh, if I ever get nominated for a cable ace award, I'll do that. All right. The best part, Indochino suit started just $299 with all customized customizations included shop the wedding collection, a book or book of virtual style consultation at Indochino.com. Right now you get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the code Burr at checkout. That's $50 off any purchase of $399 or more at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code Burr. All right, now, Paulie, you know what time it is. Huh? It's time for March Madness. (laughs) We got Sean Green and Ryan Kramer from Monkey Knife Fight, our favorite thing to say here. Monkey Knife Fight, the sports gambling podcast. uh, You know, I don't want to brag or anything, guys, uh, but I kind of crushed it on all of my Super Bowl bets. Oh, I got yeah. everything from the coin toss to the color of the Gatorade. Just saying. 
as soon as as soon as the blue Gatorade got dumped, my Twitter uh, feed got lit up. I'm just everyone. <laughs> I told you, I told you, blue Gatorade. You know, Burr had it right. Yeah, you nailed it, man. And you were all over. You were all over your buddy Brady and the Bucks and. Man, that was uh, aggressive, Paul. Do you hear that? All over <laughs> your buddy Brady. Could be that I just knew he was going to win. It's my buddy now. <laughs> oh God! I mean, you're a Brady backer, and for, no, for no, good no, no. I'm a married man. I know passive aggressive statements when I hear them. <laughs> gotta, gotta throw it under the bus a little bit. All over your buddy Brady. Okay, go ahead. No, I. I mean, again. Great job, and again, not not coming in a contest. Why wouldn't I be all over him? He's won six out of nine, now seven out of ten. You're making it seem like I bet some fifty to one horse. I'm <laughs> with you, Bill. Easy money, easy money. Kramer was on the Bucks as well. You guys cleaned I up. Love I love it. I love it. But what about uh, what about March Madness? I know we're on the Anything Better uh, podcast, but Verzi, anything better than just watching a shit ton of March Madness games, having some action, actually having the March Madness to talk about? Listen, I love a favorite, and I'm sticking to it because Gonzaga is not fucking losing. I'm telling you this right now. Gonzaga is undefeated. They're going to stay undefeated. They're the best team in the country. I actually watched them play a little bit. Um, Bill will tell you from experience of our friendship and many years of talking sports on the phone, in hotel rooms, in green rooms. I can't lay off a favorite. And if there was ever a favorite that I had to stick with, it's the fuck it, it's Gonzaga. So I'm Paul sticking with him. Loves the regular season. What happens in the regular season <laughs> in his world is what is going to happen in the playoffs. So if Gonzaga beats some Division three team by eighty, he he he, he, he doesn't see in. it as any. I mean, I I used to do. I used used to drive me nuts back in the day when he would talk about quarterbacks that were better than my buddy Brady. Um, <laughs> and I'd be like, listen, if you want somebody to throw five hundred yards in November against a team that isn't going to make the playoffs, this is your guy. But if you yeah. want someone to win in January, I need wins in January. So I March is different. I'm already. I, I. I'm not saying I don't know shit about college hoop, but I can already tell you just because somebody's undefeated in the regular season, that that does not carry as much weight as my striped friend here is trying to tell you. No, Listen. I mean, yeah, Gonzaga has looked really good, but you're right. When these teams are undefeated in the regular season, it's just so much pressure leading up to eventually a letdown game. I mean, I like Gonzaga to maybe make it to the Final Four, but to win it all. I, I think it's a little crazy. I'm going with the team like Michigan already got a couple tough losses out of the way. You know, now they, they know what it's like to lose. They don't want that taste in their mouth and Gonzaga. They just seem to every year we go through this Ryan with Gonzaga where yep. they look so good. They dominate the whack and then tournament time. The whack, they're in a minimal security prison. Okay. <laughs> If you play on Tobacco Road or you're you're in the Big Ten, I mean that's like you know you got to make a shank, fellas, fellas, wire to wire, it's over. I'm I'm with you, Paul. Actually, I think I it's becoming it. it's becoming popular. Of Paul. It's become it's becoming popular to find a reason to pick against the the best team in the country, and we've seen this in every other sport, Sean. The best team has come home and raised the trophy at the end of the year. So I think it happens again. Uh, Paul, Paul and I are uniting against. And you know Paul. what? That, that Gonzaga coach. It's that Gonzaga coach's time. Okay, that dude has been knocking on the door for a while. He's finally got the team to do it. Um, and I Pick saw them play. Paul, I'm taking that action. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I are going to be booking uh, Paul and Kramer's action Let's on Gonzaga it. to win it all. What I'll, about, I'll, take uh, it. I'll take that all day. I'll root for him because I love. I would love to see somebody out of the whack win it all. But like, dude, you, 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 come on, man. <laughs> this is like you, 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 you got bum ass fights here. You're undefeated playing a bunch of who? Who are they playing out there? I, I expected. I expected to hear Verzi, you know, being being right there in the Jersey area, Big East basketball, talking about Georgetown. The yeah. fact that Patrick Ewing wanted as a player and as a coach, Cinderella story. But you're going chalk with Gonzaga, Verzi. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, when I watched them play, I the the rebounding, the big guys down there, like, and here's the other thing. I saw Gonzaga get tested. They were getting tested by uh, I think it was BYU. Yep. BYU was testing them. BYU was beating them. Okay. BYU. Yeah. BYU was beating them though. And BYU was beating them pretty good. And people are going, oh, this is the game that Gonzaga gives it up. And you know what? Like the fucking champions that they are. Mormons. Like chanting that at the game, Paul? Nothing scares a whole player when he hears Mormons chanting. Like champions, the Zags fucking won it. Like the champions that they are. They fucking came back and they, they won. Went, it. They went to Utah and now, granted, <laughs> granted, they were playing a bunch of fucking white kids from BYU, but you know they don't get a well, lot. Do you have a gig at Gonzaga coming up? My God, this is crazy. Yeah, they're gonna win it. Talking about Coach K, they're gonna win it, man. They're gonna win it. I'll put fucking five honey on it. I'll put. What do you I want? That. I'll take that. Send that this way, oh. buddy. Oh wow. Okay, wait, are you taking? Yeah, but so you're taking the easy way out. You're gonna just pick one of thirty something teams. I mean, who's going to win it? The easy way out, Paul, is knowing that you're all over it. I'm telling you. <laughs> Fade the mush. It doesn't get the any mush. easier. It's the mush of the Bronx. Tear up your tickets. Come on, kryptonite. Come on. <laughs> the the huge it. favorite who won oh. everything. Yeah, it didn't. I'm I'm fading. Uh, I'm fading Verzi just because we were on the same side in the Super Bowl and it didn't work out for us taking the favorite. Bill, who do you like? Any any teams? I know you're not oh, my a team, diehard. My team, my team, I got three teams that I like. That I root for Michigan, Kansas, and uh, Duke. So out of the three of them, the ones who had the best year is Michigan. I like their uniforms. I'm just kidding. I just I'm like I'm, I'm a housewife here, dude. I haven't watched enough. Uh, I saw some kid on Tennessee throw it down though. Oh yeah, throw there was down. there was some elbows going. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 I'm I'm going Michigan. Yeah, Hail to the victors, fucking Zaga. They didn't play anybody. Hail, hail to Michigan. I'm yeah, taking I mean, 500 bucks off for Z. Yes. Well, I don't know if you saw Bill, but uh, Juwan Howard, their coach, he was getting into it. I always, I always got to support a team whose coach isn't afraid to get scrappy, start yelling at the other coach. And we, it's, it's been hilarious in these COVID times where the, the, the coach is wearing the mask until he needs to pull it down and yell <laughs> right in the, in the, uh, you know, in the yeah, ref's right. face. You can almost, you can almost see the droplets coming I out of it. Face. You're going to hear my point and take this virus. That's how mad I am at you. It's like, why even wear these masks or the, the coaches who wear the creepy clear mask. It's just so unsettling to see. And they still, again, just pull it down. Anytime they need to yell completely defeating the purpose of the mask. 
That happened last night. The Knicks had a heartbreaker against the 76ers. Oh, yes. Tom Thibodeau's, Tom Thibodeau's fucking mask was on his chin. His shirt was out. His boxer shorts, <laughs> his fucking boxer shorts were over his fucking dress, his button down. And he just, it was like Corona didn't matter anymore. It's like, yeah, it's like us but- on a call. Why, yeah. why do they make them wear the mask if they're just going to pull it down to to yell at these refs? Interesting little uh, side note: six of the refs already have been replaced for March Madness. One tested positive, and the other six were went out to lunch for them. Bill, I know you're not afraid to be a conspiracy theorist at times. Any uh, any shenanigans potentially with the refs here? I just don't. There's no upside for it for college basketball. They own those kids. They don't pay them. I think when you get to the pros, like, uh, I mean, I, I think if they were going to be shaving points or doing something nuts like that, I don't think that they would get rid of a whole fleet of referees. I mean, it's it's, it's a little too convenient too for me. Too- I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it. I like the uh, – there was only one mobbed-up ref in the NBA in the 2000s. <laughs> hey, I, I, lo- I love that. Tim Donaghy was a solo actor. No, no one else was involved. Donaghy, I, I listened to some interviews. The guy's hilarious. He he admits to being involved in these scandals, but he insists that the games he bet on, he didn't adjust the way he <laughs> called the game, which is the craziest thing. Like he admit that he was involved with the mob, admitted everything else, but tried to still keep some ref integrity there. I'm like a dirt bag, but I got a line. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I just happened to I said no fucking kids. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute though. Wait a minute. Let's real quick, Bill, let's get to this bet. So you're going to, so 500, I'm putting all the 500. You're just saying someone's going to take them out. You no, have no, it a little no. easier there. Oh, that's not the kind of thing. That's not, that's not who I am. <laughs> How long have you known me? First of all, I'm not taking $500 of your hard-earned money. All right? So what are it's we going to do? a steak and a cigar. Okay. Okay? And before, I, I, before you take your first bite, you have to say, whoever loses, you have to be like, insert name here. God damn it. You were right. You've you, never you been more right in your life, and it is an honor for me to you pick up this start. check. And I will buy dessert also. Oh. I, I'm just saying Michigan's going to go further than Gonzaga. That's Ooh. That's oh, that's that's the best. And that's cigar. That's probably even money. And and Bill is talking about being married. You know, it's a classic married guy thing. The bet is he just wants to hear someone else say they're right. I can't. I. I that's as a married guy. That's my fantasy. No longer, you know, two chicks at the same time. Just the wife to go. You know what? After all this, you were right. Moving on. I, I just oh, want to okay. be heard. I yes. just want to be heard. Listen to me, sweetheart. Right. Can't you love me? <laughs> We got we got some uh, we got some awesome games here again. Monkey knife fight. That's the place to go. They got college basketball, March Madness tournament bets. We got prop bets for these players. Again, use that promo code Burr. Get a free five dollar uh, play and a hundred dollar or a hundred percent deposit match up to fifty bucks. Using the promo code Burr. MonkeyKnifeFight.com. The first four game. Again, there were sixty four teams. Not enough. For all the action, had to crowbar four more teams in, kicking things off Thursday night. UCLA, Michigan State, pretty good historic matchup. Uh, you know, two kind of like powerhouses. Not great years for either teams. UCLA kind of coming in cold. Tip off six fifty seven on the East Coast. We got two player props, more or less, on these points. Michigan State forward Aaron Henry, sixteen and a half points. 
Kramer, I'll let you kick it off over under more or less 16 and a half. Uh, I, I mean, he's, he's the NBA prospect too. So if you're, if you're an NBA guy, this guy is going to be playing in the league. And I think if you like Michigan state, you like this, you like Henry to score over 16 and a half points, Sean, as you know, I like UCLA in this one. So I'm going to take the under. Oh, okay. You're going under Verzi. What, what are you, uh, where are you at here? Michigan state forward, 16 and a half points. First, uh, oh, this is actually the late game on Thursday night, getting the tournament started. You know, um, I like I like UCLA too. So, um, but so sixteen and a half points. He's got he's got to get seventeen. Yep. I'm gonna take the under. Okay, like it. Lock it Why up. He taking the under. <laughs> now, Take now it. he's now he's going anti chalk. Burr, what are you doing here? Over under sixteen and a half points. Aaron Henry, pretty good forward for Michigan. I was State. loving the under. Then Verzi said under, so I don't know here. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm I, with I, I was in my head, not knowing hey. even know who this kid is. Hey, Just I got all the unders pressure? right at the Super Bowl. Huh? All the unders of the yards that I said passing from Mahomes and Brady, I got right when I said the under for the Super Bowl. You sound like a community college right now, trying to be number one in something. <laughs> um, your niche, number one halfway school in the Rhode Island region. <laughs> we have the coldest Coca-Cola in any cafeteria. <laughs> the best in the Simi Valley area. The best um, pool vending machine in the break room. Yes, sir. Normally, you, I would say that I'm thinking this kid who I've never seen play, who I've already forgotten his name. This is this Aaron is Henry. Aaron Henry. I would say that he's feeling the pressure. Mm. Normally, and he'd be a little tight on this first game. However, these kids grew up with Instagram, right? They know what it's like to hit their marks, say it, be funny. They've had and handled criticism and all of this crap. Everybody's all one and done now. Everybody's sick with it, I believe is what the kids say. I'm going to go positive. Trip. All just, right. Just, oh, just so we have something to shit talk about. I'm going. I say the kid scores 21. Ooh, I like, I like that. I'm go, I'm going over. He's he showed up big when they played Michigan. Had a nice game. Uh, UCLA's defense is kind of falling apart. And Big Ten, they actually played their conference tournament in this bubble site for the tournament. He's used to the rims. He's not a, he's, he's dialed in. I'm, I'm going over 16 and a half moving over to the UCLA side. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce this guy's name, Johnny Juzang uh, guard for the UCLA Bruins, 13 and a half points more or less. Paul, I know you're on UCLA. You going more here? Yeah. 13. He have that. At, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take over. I'm going to say he gets 14. Yeah, just over. All right, I'm with you. I'm going over, even though I'm on Michigan State for the game, laying two. I do think this is going to be a little more high scoring than we're used to for a uh, for a Big Ten Pac-12 game. Kramer, Pac-12 shows up for the tourney. The Kentucky transfer has a huge game, goes over, scores thirty. Ooh, Sean, I'm wow. saying he scores thirty. Oh. All right. Well, you can do some. Uh, you can do some adjusted do lines on the monkey knife fight if you really think he's going to go off. I think they have some. Adjusted stuff here, and you can add in a bunch of players and go like. Yo, Kramer just got me. Yo, you just got me when you said Kentucky transfer. I just literally oh, saw the here. I just saw the bet I'm doing when you said Kentucky <laughs> transfer. So, yeah. Paul, Paul perked up. He's like, "Are you talking about a blue blood uh, program? I, I, got, I got nuggets. Some sort of favorite action here. I got nuggets. Some chalky action coming your way. Bill, what about what about you, man? Uh, I think this kid tries to hang for a little while. Don't know who. I don't even remember his name. 
Johnny Juzang. I, you know, I write a lot of scripts, so here's my script. This kid tries. <laughs> this kid tries to hang with them in the first half. He gets about eight. I think he can eke out another six in the second half. But this kid, I'm telling you, who's going to rise to the occasion of Michigan State that I've never heard of. He's he's going to run away in the second half. I think that that's what happens. They both go over. Well, and and he's going on that hero's journey for the yeah. uh, screenwriters out there. I I do appreciate Bill's honesty of just saying I've never heard of this guy, but and he can still hit a talking point, yeah. and and just kind of shows you these talking heads, even though they're pretend. Did you see uh, the clip of Paul Pierce talking about the Sixers and they he would. He thought they they lost by thirty six, and he was given his whole take on the highlights, and they had won by thirty six. Just shows you how tuned out some of these guys are. Oh, dude, Paul Pierce. When wow. you watch him, he's a good dude, but that guy just is fucking checked out, man. Yeah, he, 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 he does. He, the guy who's phoned in a couple gigs, I I know the look uh, when I see it. <laughs> All right, I've never seen a guy give a fuck less about a post game than Paul Pierce ever. Yeah. Well, look, man, that's like an astronaut getting excited that someone else is sitting in the rocket. Yeah. You know yeah. what's going on with him right now? I, you know, he's uh, making sure there's no holes in the suit. Yeah, but give it you to know, some nerd that wants to at be At some there. point, does anybody care? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's already been there. He's he's not going to give a shit. All right, Florida versus Kramer. Your Virginia Tech Hokies. Right now, Hokies laying one. The uh, player props we're going to talk about Friday, uh, East Coast 12, uh, 12 15 tip. Trey Mon, the guard for Florida, his uh, his over under sitting at seventeen and a half. Kramer, I know you're a, you're a hokey diehard. Are you are you taking the under here? Listen, the former five star recruit is starting to show up in a big way uh, after going under this total four five times in a row, Sean, he's gone over the last five games, obviously end of the season tournament time. The cameras are bright. He's going to try to do a lot himself here. I think he goes over. Okay. He's going to, he's going to press maybe, but get a lot of shots up. I, I think he's finally coming into his own as I like to say Verzi, uh Florida sec no. country train on you're going under <laughs> 17 going and a half. I'm with you. So I, I think this is going to be a good game. The spread reflects that, but 18 points against this Virginia tech defense, which isn't amazing, but isn't like, isn't bottom barrel. I'll I, say this. I though, think 18's a lot. Kramer's the only one well, I taking think, over so I far. Think he, you're a Virginia tech. I guy. think he gets there. Even if they're down by a lot, it's kind of like the football analogy of the quarterback's going to throw for a lot down. of yards either way. It's kind of the way they've, they've been playing. So yeah, I'm going over Burr. What do you, where are you at with this one? Trey I feel like Florida is a sunnier state, so you can play basketball year round. So these kids are out there playing defense in that humidity. You get them inside an air conditioning, they're going to shut this kid down. Shut them down. I'm going what under. A, what a relief! <laughs> Central air. I like that. I like the angle. They're going to be running downhill the whole game. Yeah, it's it's not no humidity in Indianapolis, at least not this time of year. I mean, we live in the man. It is muggy. You got to adjust the dry heat. You know, it's it's dry heat. <laughs> Keve Aluma and and again Kramer, you can correct you got me on his pronunciation. Uh, you got Aluma. There you go. Fourteen and a half points. Virginia Tech forward. I'm going to start on this guy. I'm going over here. Yeah. Again, I Florida's defense has kind of fallen apart a little bit late. They've really killed me on some bets. So I, I'm I'm on Virginia Tech for the game. I, I think Aluma getting fifteen is doable here. 
Graham, are you co-signing? C- completely co sign I'd say I, I think the uh, the monkey knife fight folks are uh, fell asleep at the wheel here. His usage has wow. been incredible lately. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't go over. Calling out the uh, monkey I mean, knife I, fight I, uh, quonks. I am. I'm calling call out the nerds with the, com- the super computers. Uh, wrong number here. He goes over. Are you with him, Verzi? I am because he's he's so into the team and he knows the team so well. He said that he said that with so much confidence that I'm taking that. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta you gotta trust the guy who's got the inside scoop. Burr, where are you at? Over under 14 it's and a so half. It's hard to go against Ryan's confidence, but you know, the fact that Verzi was enamored by it, I just gotta <laughs> go against it. I gotta yeah. go against it. Sean, by the way, I love how your background looks like a footlocker the day after Christmas. And just nobody wanted the Eagles jerseys and everything else sold. <laughs> <There> is <laughs> 92. Rest is soul, by the way. Rest you is got soul. a medium? You got a medium. Yeah. That's all we got is what's you left can't, here. So. You, can't, you can call it a footlocker sale, but you can't go out my boy, Reggie White, Minister <laughs> Defense. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was Reggie White. Sorry. No, I said oh. rest is soul. Rest is soul, but that's old school right there yeah yeah come on that's my, that's, that's my entire childhood i do have a i have a <laughs> bill Berge custom jersey on the way to hang up next to my chuck bed and eric which uh you know talking to old school from bethlehem pennsylvania <laughs> my favorite I part i haven't been able to find that it was a classic nfl clip Oh yeah, we talked about that when you were yeah, calling it for NFL. Like, yeah, football game today, fucking that guy is just like, oh my god. Oh, oh man, he did. I shook his hand at a uh, youth awards banquet, and it it looked like he had it, it had gone in like a juicer. His his pinky was <laughs> like ninety degrees, oh, and yeah. he just had this hand. It was like, oh my god. Yeah, Bednarik, Hall of Famer. All right, last game we're gonna get to this one. Another should be a classic here. Syracuse, who a lot of people argue and maybe not deserving to be in the uh, tournament, especially at an 11 seed, not having to play in, going up against San Diego State, the Aztecs. Round one, late night, uh, 6:40 on the uh, East Coast. Buddy Beheim, of course, his dad is the coach. I've been all in on Buddy Beheim. The kid is just shooting lights out. Yep. 31 point game against Virginia, 16 and a half, way too low. All in. Buddy Bayheim, Kramer, you've been making fun of me for my love affair with Buddy Bayheim and the Syracuse Orange. Are you go? Are you brave enough to go under at sixteen and two, a half? Two true statements. Buddy is a dog's name. Yes. Also, as a youth coach myself, youth girls soccer. If I make the playoffs, like th- like we see with Jim, you bet your ass I'm playing my kids the entire goddamn game. <laughs> so he's gonna take all the shots. Buddy Bayheim goes over. Verzi, Verzi, where are you at with Buddy Bayheim? Dude, this, yo, this dude Kramer. I wish you coached my. You just have the knowledge that if I like, it's like everything you say. I'm just like, I think this kid's got his shit together. Like, I think that you know a lot of stuff, and I do like the fact that this kid. This is Buddy Bayheim's first tournament, or no? No. No, but He's, this is this is his first tournament playing many meaningful minutes. He he wasn't he wasn't getting a ton of action on their on their previous tournaments. And that's what she said. <laughs> I think he goes. It's sixteen and a half is a great number, but you know what? I think he chucks him up. I think he chucks him up to you know press his old man and show people it's uh, Buddy Bayham time. It's uh, I, I yeah. go over seventeen points for the kid. 
And, and that is a, I, I know you're not a uh, Verzi. You're not a gambling tout, but that is a, that is right in toolkit. Number one of the gambling tout. This is a great number. This is a great number. Yeah. Gives yourself a lot of wiggle room as a guy who's given out a bunch of bad picks. If you start out by complimenting the number, most, yeah, most give yourself people some, have some no nice idea leeway. how numbers are created I or mean, what a number is. <laughs> So they get very impressed when you talk about the number yeah. as if you know something. Oh wow, Nailed it's very it. important. Shout yeah. out to them. Great job over a monkey knife fight. Burn either way. Yes. Yes. It'll all hey, depend on who shows a, up. If you guys want to see a great gambling movie, watch Owning Mahoney. I'm trying to get yeah. through it. It's done so well as far as Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um just the uh Oh yeah. Well, I probably shouldn't say that on a gambling website. It's a it's a feel good movie where he uh, he wins every time. Um, all right. But as far as Buddy Boham, is that his name? Boham. But yeah. Boham. Let me tell you something, buddy. There's only room for one BB in this entertainment business, and what? you're looking at him. I'm taking the under. I say they shut you down, buddy. Lock it up. Going. Buddy under. is the name of a stock car driver. Buddy Baker. Right. That's, that's oh, true. another another that's, BB. That's true. That's a real human yeah. too. I, I thought it was just a dog name. Baseball I player, Buddy Bell. He's yeah. Not a basketball player until he shows up and scores more than seventeen and a half, which will not happen. Lock it up <laughs> on the under. And don't worry, most gambling movies end like uncut gems, so it's it's cool. It's a, a another sunny, a sunny day movie. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, that's how you know I have a problem. You watch that movie, not going to spoil the end, but uh, kind of a rough ending. And just leaving the theater, I'm like, I got to figure out how he got that seven teamer in. <laughs> and I got I got to get me one of those uh, stones. That yeah, stone that's... was good luck, man. What was that movie with? Um... What was the movie with Pacino and McConaughey where McConaughey was like his guy? Two for the money. Two for the money. The brand for the money. But the whole point of that movie was it's basically after all the shit they went through, he goes, it's a coin toss. (laughs) With the spread, it's literally a coin toss. It, it, it was one of the great montages in cinema history of McConaughey <laughs> lifting weights while like reaching over and picking games against the spread. It's an all timer uh, as far as hilarious uh, montage. Oh my God. That's <laughs> fucking hilarious. Well, dude, you know, you only have abs once in your life if you're lucky to ever have them. So you might as well show them if you get, show them if you got them. That's what I say. Hey, you can't, you can't blame the guy. He got, he got him from all those, uh, all those late night bongo sessions. <laughs> Matt Mitchell is the forward for the San Diego State Aztecs. 15 and a half points. Ooh, I, again, I'm on cues here to win the game. I, I'm going under. Again, maybe I'm blind to just supporting Buddy Bayheim because my dog's named Buddy and, and I'm all in. But uh, I, I think their they're defense a little better than they're getting credit for, Kramer. Are you over under Matt Mitchell 15 and a half points? Matt Mitchell, as you know, Sean, we adopted San Diego State to this podcast. Yes. So we are gals. I am sticking with that. Our gals and Matt Mitchell, junkyard dog. He shows up. I think he has a nice game, hits some threes, gets over this 15 and a half point total. Verzi, where you at? Kramer's over. I'm under. You seem to be Team Kramer, but uh, where you at? Matt Mitchell 15 and a half. Under. Under okay, I like in a box. I I kind of, I kind of led him as an interviewer. You're not supposed to do that. He saw five reds in a row, and he's like, "I'm going black." (laughs) It's good classic roulette strategy. Uh, All right, Bill, Matt Mitchell, fifteen and a half. I know you've been breaking down his game film. 
uh, in the offseason. What do you think? I didn't know San Diego State had a basketball team. But their <laughs> football team's been making some noise, and I think that they're uh, they're going to feed off of that. And this kid's going to go over 15 and a half. Should Not be no- much, though, because it's a great number. It's a great number. Should be noted, he did play well in the simulated March Madness we created last year when March Madness got yeah, canceled. So we, if that was a, a foreshadow of any harbinger <laughs> for things to come. All right, that'll do it for the tournament talk presented by Monkey Knife Fight. Head over to monkeyknifefight.com, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Use that promo code BURR. Get the $5 game, the free play, and a 100% deposit. Go, Zag. Go, Gonzaga. Yeah, Brizzy's on Zags. Uh, Kramer's on the Zags. Burr and I are on Michigan. We'll see how this shakes out. Coming down the aisle with this rolled up program. I'm staying on the Zags. I'm staying on the winning train. I got a prop for you, Paul, right here. There it is. There it is. You've been staying on the winning train. I won the last time, you bastard. What are you talking about? Gonzaga train. They're undefeated. That's what I mean. All right. Sorry. (laughs) All right, guys. Jesus, the guy gets one Gatorade color right. It's he's the fucking king. Oh no, no. From coin toss to gate, Paul. If you did what I did, you would have had Jordan ones with your picks on the side of them. The fuck are you talking about? (laughs) I really. All right, that's it. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. Ryan and Sean, everybody. Thank you so much. Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, March 18th, 2013. How's it going? How are you? I'm upstairs in my half a house at this point. They got all the demolition done. I'm going to have to open the fucking window because it's already too hot in here. This fucking thing needs to be replaced, too. Anybody want to buy a tree fort? I think that's what I bought. I bought a tree fort with fucking wall-to-wall carpet. Look at the views, if you see the views. All this fucking bullshit everybody told me. You know what? If you ever go to buy a house, this is what I suggest you do. Walk in there wearing a helmet, all right, with some safety goggles on. Put those fuckers, put the whole ensemble on, and then have one of your biggest friends just grab you like a battering ram and slam you into the wall of the house. And have a look around. When you come, when you come to, have a look around. You'll be surprised what you find in there, all right? If there's nothing in there other than the fucking horse shit you just broke, by all means, make an offer on the house, all right? These fucking cocksucking fucking insurance adjusters. Oh, we'll, we'll cover everything. Do you know these dickheads? I had, like, fucking wood in the walls, like those slats that they never have. These cunts think they're going to put plywood and then they're going to put drywall over the top of that. And I'm just going to be like, well, that, that's the same thing, isn't it? Mr. Bear, we're sorry. You didn't have the premium coverage. If you had your premium coverage, then we would have, we would have paid for what you're asking. <laughs> no, you wouldn't have. You would have found some other fucking reason not to pay me. That's why you're in the big building, isn't it? Huh? Why do you have a pinky ring? How did you get that? Huh? Is there some old woman in, in, in a wet house coat trying to figure out how to eat her fucking Alpo? Is that how you got that fucking ring? You know what's funny is the insurance adjuster hasn't even come over here yet, and I've already been screaming at the windshield of my car because I know what these fucking cunts are going to do. You know, they did it to the entire city of New Orleans. They're not going to do it to me. You know, I'm my own little city here. I don't have any fucking, you know, there's no uh, Sean Penn fucking rowing a boat up to my house coming to rescue me, is there? You know? 
I don't think there is. I'm on my own. You know what? That's fine. I don't need anybody. I've already resigned myself to the fact that I am going to fucking not only restore this goddamn fucking cocksucking fucking room. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm in a mood here. I am going to fucking I'm going to make I'm going to make it even better. OK, that's what I'm doing. I don't give a shit if I have to do stand up gigs in, in, in uh, I don't know, one of those apartheid countries in front of a fucking dictator like Beyonce did. Shaking her fucking perfectly round ass on New Year's Eve. You think I'm above that? I'll, I'll, do, I'll do it the fucking day after Thanksgiving. I'll, I'll give you a fucking uh, two for one. Easter and Flag Day. You can have me in a Hawaiian shirt in whatever fucking compound you're living in to keep the people from storming the damn thing because you made a deal with the CIA and you gave away the fucking oil, didn't you? I'll come down there. I'll do my act in your fucking foyer. All right, I'm going to get some of that blood money. I'm going to get some of that blood money and I'm going to fucking restore this goddamn room back to the way it was supposed to be. You know, because that's what the fuck I've been doing. I've been sitting here for the last fucking couple of days and I've been finding out where all the goddamn stuff is that I need. Have I cursed enough? I really got to take this down a notch, don't I? Or does it make you feel better about yourself? He swears even more than I do. Shit, and I'm a fucking moron. I never, I never passed nothing. You know, you ever meet somebody and they're like, you know, I was good at math, but I wasn't too good in history. Well, they're like, I was good in history, but I wasn't good with that woodworking stuff. Shit, right? I'm one of them motherfuckers, one of them few motherfuckers. I ain't good at shit. I sucked from the second I pulled into the parking lot. Shit, she called my name and I forget what the fuck she was talking about. You know, and it'd be, she'd just be like, Lenny, and I'd be like, just sitting there, you know. Just sitting there wondering why my dick was hard, you know. Um, <laughs> Am I having a nervous breakdown? Oh, Christ. So I was looking. I forgot to look this shit up. God damn it. So I've been looking up all these old houses that they have out here in Los Angeles, by the way, specifically the Pasadena area has these amazing houses out there. Um, and I've just been looking up how people went about restoring them. Okay. Now, if they were able to fucking restore an entire goddamn um, house, I, there has to be enough shit left for me to do a room, right? Please tell me that. I just sounded like Fast Eddie and fucking... Uh, Reservoir Dogs. Please tell me. Somebody's got the diamonds, okay? Can somebody just please fucking tell me? So anyways, I started looking up all these houses, right? And this is back, you know, back in the day, I, I'm a big fan of fucking blue blood money when there was a name attached to it. You know, back in the day, like, people knew the names of the rich cunts that were stealing from them. They knew what they looked like. They knew where they lived. It was unreal. The Vanderbilts, the Astors, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, you know? And then you had the people who started, uh, you know, like like Procter & Gamble. That wasn't just a name. Those were fucking people. Like there's a house out in Pasadena called the Gamble House. It was made by these guys, Green and Green, and they, they did those, uh, what do you call them? Uh, uh, what do you call them? Craftsmen, American craftsmen's houses. So they would build a house for them. And everybody would be born. how much money do you think Procter & Gamble have? And you drive by, well, there's the Gamble house right there. 
That's Gamble's house. What does fucking Proctor's look like? You know, Johnson and Johnson, all those goddamn families. So anyways, I was looking these things up, and there's this house out in Pasadena called the Blacker House, the Robert R. Blacker House. And, uh, what the, come on, you fuck it. I can't, you know something how dumb I am? I can't even click on something. Hang on a second. Here it is. Let me click on this shit. The Blacker House out in Pasadena. You can't believe what happened. This house is fucking unbelievable. I actually drove by it the other day like a goddamn stalker looking at it. And um, this house was made, I guess, for this guy, Robert and Nellie Blacker, right? So typical, you know, rich people. They got this unfucking believable house, you know, built at the turn of the last century. So it's all this wood. You know, they're cutting down like fucking 150, 200-year-old trees or whatever. So the shit's solid as a rock, you know, as opposed to that fucking bullshit they got down at Home Depot, you know? Fucking shit's grown down in El Salvador by some fucking eight-year-old. You know, once the tree's taller than the kid, they make the kid saw it down four in the morning before they make them fucking plant another one and start watering it, you know? You don't realize that? That's how trees grow now. Eight-year-olds, they teach them how to sleep on their feet. They sleep like standing up and they sit there like just slowly watering them all night. And then it causes them to grow faster. It's a whole, it's a whole, uh, I saw it on 60 Minutes. You guys should check it out if you get a chance. If you got a uh, Hulu, you might want to look that up. But anyways, so they made this amazing house and all the furniture and all the shit in it and the chandeliers and all of that are basically worth a small fortune now. So what happened is, of course, the fucking lady outlives the guy. Why? Because when shit hits the fan, women cry and guys fucking deal with it. That's why. Bang. There it is. Did the bell go off in your head? That's the first sexist, moronic thing that I'm going to say. Well, not first moronic, but the first moronically sexist thing that I'm going to say in this fucking podcast. All right? When the shit hits the fan, the ladies, they fucking cry. That's what they do. The guys, we're crying on the inside, but we got to hold that shit together as we push an Ikea couch under the fucking waterfall that's coming through the top of your house. That's that's what we do. They go, oh, my God, it's ruining everything, and they get it out. We don't. So, hence, 35 fucking years later, we drop of a heart attack while we're mowing the lawn because in the middle of our chest was, oh, my God, it's ruining everything. It's still fucking in there. Attached to, oh my god, the car isn't going to start. All that fucking shit is just one big fucking ball sitting there. Right on top of your hat. And then that's it. You fucking keel over. And then she has the nerve to stand there going, I told him to stop eating red meat. I told him to have a salad. He didn't like it. He said that food was for the quiz. Um, anyways, so this fucking house... This fucking house. Um, they kept everything, like, all original right up until the 40s. So that stuff was already 40 years old. They already weren't making furniture. Well, maybe in the 40s they kind of still were, but the style had changed. So if you walked into that house in, mid like, 1945 when this woman died, it was like stepping back in time, like, 45 years. Like, you ever go into an old person's house and you see their stereo, if they kept it in immaculate, immaculate condition, the car they're driving, their fucking can opener. Well, maybe not now, but back in the day, an old can opener, you know, be made of some real fucking materials instead of some plastic hunk of shit, right? They had all that stuff, and they had all those beautiful sconces and the, the chandeliers and all that stuff on, 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 the, on the walls and on the ceiling, everything, right? 
So anyways, in the will, the lady says whoever buys this house, it's it's all encompassing. You have to buy the house. It comes with all the furniture. They had a, look what looks like another house behind it. That was just for, for visitors, like a mother-in-law suite. Looked like a fucking four-bedroom colonial. That was the guest house. That's how big this fucking house was. They had a greenhouse. They had this giant property. So when you went in and bought it, after she died, the person had to buy everything and wasn't allowed to sell off anything. So, of course, she dies, and then the fucking greedy cunts, what do they do? They sell the house, and then that person immediately divides it up. Sells off the mother-in-law suite, gets rid of the greenhouse, cuts up the fucking property, has an infamous fucking yard sale, and sells all of this unbelievable furniture. And to this day, it's in museums, and uh, private collectors own the shit. Gets even worse what happened to this fucking house. This is what makes me feel better about me because I only lost one room. It's a beautiful fucking house with all the shit. They already lost all the furniture, right? But they still have the, 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 the windows and the chandeliers and all that shit. Some cunt buys it in 1985 who's a fucking deals in like vintage chandeliers and all this stuff. He buys the house for a million bucks, guts the fucking thing, is selling these chandeliers for like six figures. To who? I don't know. But somehow he's selling them for like 150, 200 grand. He's selling the sconces for like 100 grand. He guts the fucking place, replaces everything with a Home Depot replica piece of shit. It was called the rape of the, of the fucking blacker house or whatever. I'm reading all of this stuff. Is this boring to you guys? I don't know what. So I've been reading up on all of this shit, but whatever. Somebody bought the house after and was able to restore it painstakingly. I might add painstakingly. So I figure if these guys can do that, you know, I, I can restore this one fucking room. They're already trying to pull this shit on me, telling me that people don't put plaster up anymore. It's like, yeah, they do. I just had my fucking rooms out there replastered. I already have a guy. I write your fucking cunt with your plywood and your drywall. Is that what you're going to do? Then why don't I just do it? Why don't I just fucking do it? Because you'd fuck it up, Bill. Yeah, but you know what? I could do most of it. Around the windows would be a little bit difficult because it requires some fucking measurements. Um, so anyways, that has been uh, – that's been my week. And I got a bunch of shit I have to do tomorrow, right? So that's why I'm doing the podcast here Sunday afternoon. So anyways, I walk into the living room. The lovely Nia is watching one of her reality shows. And, you know, it's these five just toxic women sitting in this limousine. And one of these women is telling this hap- – one of these women who's divorced is telling this happily married woman that she needs to speak up to her husband more. And it was basically because the husband said, I'm old-fashioned. He goes, I'm an old-fashioned guy. So he's out there killing it, making an insane fucking living, right? And she's the little homemaker, right? So Cunty McDivorstein, right? Cunty Divorstein, there you go, is sitting in the back of the limo. And basically telling the girl who's fucking, she's got the best deal ever. She married somebody who's out there making a fuckload of money. And all she's got to do is keep the house together. That's all you got to do. You got all fucking day. Jesus Christ, how long does it take to sweep the kitchen? You know? You can even hire a fucking cleaning company. Just have the shit clean. And when I come home, have dinner ready. For the life of me, for the life of me, I don't know why certain people look at that as slavery. You know, unless, look, if you have some fucking dream, you know, and you have ideas 
and that type of thing, and you want to go out and pursue them, by all means. But if you're just going to be another cog in the wheel, taking the fucking subway to work to go make somebody else's dream come true, you know what I mean? Why the fuck wouldn't you take that other thing? You got all day to get out of the house. Go for a fucking walk. You know? (laughs) Dude, I swear to God, in another life, if I'm a fucking stay-at-home mother, I swear to fucking God, I am gonna... I'm gonna get fucking season tickets to everything. To fucking all four sports. And I'm gonna knock out everything I have to do during the day. I'm gonna have that fucking dinner ready the second the dude comes in. And then when it's over, see ya, I'm out. Fucking running down the thing on my fucking heels. And I'll go to the goddamn game. <laughs> I don't know what they're complaining about. You couldn't have more fucking free time. You know, even when you have kids, it's you're still running shit. You're still the boss. You know? I don't know. I don't know. I've talked about this shit. So she ends up telling this, this, this lady in the fucking back of this limo. She's like, you know, that's all well and good if he wants to fucking blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that old-fashioned stuff can also be controlling. It can also be controlling. You know, people, when people are dumb is when they make one point and they have to say it three times in a fucking row to make it sound like they made a bunch of different points, but they only made one. And now it's not working. And now it's not working. And now it's not working. <laughs> they do that shit. You just want to slap them on the side of the head. It's like, are you stuck in there? What's wrong with you? I heard you the first time. I heard you the first time. She's fucking driving me fucking nuts with this shit. And then she ends it with, you know, so if he wants a sandwich, he should go out there and have to make it himself. And I just, uh Oh, that whole fucking shit. I, I, women like that are always like, you're not the king. You're not the king. But then two seconds later, if you were to say you're a queen, they would 100% agree with you. And it's that classic shit. I think I did it in one of my stand-up things, my stand-up skittles. I swear to fucking God, every goddamn thing that they bitch about, that they do not want to be done to them, they will fucking do to you in a second if you let them. All right? This is why me and Nia can't watch TV together because she watches the dumb whore channel. And she watches it to laugh at the dumb whores. Which, if I was a woman, I could sit there and laugh at the dumb whores because at no point would I be financially, like, connect. You know what I mean? Like, the biggest fear, for me, anyways, is you're going to fucking get married. The girl's going to flip on you and then take everything you got and there's nothing you can fucking do about it, right? So when I watch those stupid whores, that's what I see. I see a limo full of child support, just fucking lazy, get your fucking life together, losers, decked out. By the way, they were on their way to a titty bar, okay? You know, so right there, everybody in the, everybody in the car is fucking suspect. It's like, wait, wait, wait what the fuck? Are you, how old are you? I don't even go to titty bars anymore. But Christ's sake, ladies, get your middle-aged pussies back in the fucking house and make a goddamn sandwich. Am I right? You know bad I want to go on, like, Ellen DeGeneres' show and somehow get half of that out? <laughs> Just to see how long, how much of it I could get out. 
before I don't know before somebody what threw the morning after pill at me. I'm a vial of that shit right at my giant forehead. Um. Anyways, I was just thinking, what if my hitting me in the forehead was a carnival game? What What do you think you would win? It would be so fucking easy. My forehead's so goddamn big. You know. You'd win one of those – remember those little koalas that you could stick on the end of your pencil back in the 70s? I'm sure they got a box of those left over somewhere. That's what you'd win until they ran out. So anyways, this is the Monday Morning Podcast, everybody. It's ignorant. It's sexist. And uh, it's great for kids. Uh, we got some advertising, everybody. We only got one this week. Oh, we only got one. Strap yourselves in. Here we go. Stamps.com, everybody. A quick trip to the post office is hardly ever quick. Driving there, finding parking, you know, trying to get there before they close, right? You go to stick it in the uh, in the mailbox, you freak out. Is everything got the stamps on it and all all that crap, right? It's a hassle. So do what I do. Use stamps.com instead. Stamps.com is quick and e- is the quick and easy way to get postage on demand for any business. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale that calculates the exact postage you need for any class of mail. You don't need one of those expensive postage meters, and you'll never waste valuable time making trips to the post office again. Endorsement. This is me, everybody. I use Stamps.com to send my DVDs out to my wonderful stand-up gigs. I have never had a problem. It's phenomenal. I've done it in my underwear. I've done it with no shirt on. Wearing my my uh, my little jeans or something, right? Looking like I'm gonna be on the cover of some Teen Beat magazine, like the the, the sensation Joe DeRosa. Try Stamps.com today, right now. Use my last name Burr B U R R for a special offer, no risk trial, plus a hundred ten dollar bonus offer that includes a digital scale and up to fifty five dollars free postage. They're giving you fifty five bucks. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Burr, B-U-R-R. That's Stamps.com. Enter Burr. All right. Back to the podcast. Back to the podcast. Um, did you guys watch the uh, the UFC fight? Um, GSP versus Nick Diaz. I believe his name was Nick. I, uh, I go in and out of watching the UFC. I, I, I love it. I love the UFC. I love boxing. I love all that stuff. It's just that all the pay-per-views... Or Saturday night, am I right? They're Saturday night, and I'm usually doing shows, and uh, and I miss them. I always end up missing them. And um, but every once in a while, what happens is, like I used to watch it on the Versus Network all the time, and uh, I don't give a fuck, you know, what level UFC that is. It's two people trying to beat the shit out of each other that are way better fighting than I am. Like I'm not going to watch that. What am I going to watch? Five whores in the back of a limo on the way to a titty bar talking about how they don't want to make a fucking sandwich. You know, well, then get your ass on the stage, sweetheart. Oh, that's the third sexist, moronic one. Um, oh, God, that fucking, that girl really annoyed me. That woman was happy. She was making sandwiches. And this girl is such a fucking negative cunt. It's not enough that she's fucked up her own relationship. She has to fuck this girl's relationship up and ruin this guy's time. He's going he's, he's gonna to come home and be like, what the fuck happened? Everything was going great. And then she's going to come at him with an attitude, you know, not bringing two nickels into the fucking relationship, you know? I don't know. All right, let's, let's, let's just let it go, Bill. 
let's just fucking let it go. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe she's making millions on her reality show. Um, I can tell you right now, they probably make less than comedians. <laughs> Let me ask you this, people. When was the last time you bought a box set um, of a reality show? I don't think they exist. That's why they're like disposable. They're, that's like the big lighter of fucking television shows. Um, it doesn't have any legs, you know? So they pay you once. Pay you once and they pay you shit money. Uh, you know what? Good. I'm glad they're all getting fucked. Spending all their money on fucking Manny Petties. Um, Jesus Christ. Is this? Am I really that upset about a reality show, or is it the fact that half of my house is fucking gutted right now? Couldn't even say house. Half my house. Anyways, so every once in a while, this is the thing for me. I am a sucker for a boxing or a UFC promo. You know, when they get on there and they do the background, they show both the fighters working out, and they start telling their stories and everything that they have on the line and how they need to, I swear to God, if I start watching one of those fucking things, I'm ordering the fight. To the point, like, I avoid them. I avoid them. Because so many times you fucking order them, and then the fight sucks. You know? It doesn't live up to the hype. You know? Especially with boxing. Jesus fucking Christ. Jesus Christ. I've spent more fucking money on all the way back to the Tyson era. The Tyson ones were always worth their money, even though he'd knock them out in fucking 90 seconds. It was still like you were watching some Babe Ruth shit. You knew it. You know? Then we went into the Lennox Lewis years, and it just got all fucked up. Even half the Oscar De La Hoya ones towards the end, I got fucked on those, you know. And then they always got that great white hope coming in, you know, and they show him, right, and he's skipping rope, and he's got an angry fucking look on his face. You look at him going, this guy kicked the shit out of me, right? And then the black guy's all confident, like, man, he's winning that motherfucker. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to order this shit. And what comes out, hoity tighty tight. And that's it. It's fucking over. It's fucking over. You knew he wasn't fast enough. You knew he was too slow. You knew it. But they got you. They fucking hyped the shit up. And the fucking dude sat there. Not only did he beat his ass, he did a little dance mocking him. And then he just knocked him the fuck out. That's what happens every goddamn time, right? But I still order him. So, the UFC thing. Like, UFC! Championship of the world! So, I fucking... Watch, I'm watching Dana White on there, right? And Dana White comes to the podium, and I'm going, Bill, don't watch this fucking promo. Do not watch this promo, because the second you're done watching this, you're going to take 50, 60 bucks, whatever it is, and it's going out the window. But there was something about the look on Dana White's face. I'm like, I got to watch this shit. And he comes to the mic, you know, just the mic, and he's just like, GSP snapped today it is the most angry I've ever seen him he said Nick Diaz is the most disrespectful human being on the planet and he is going to absolutely destroy him something like that okay and I'm thinking like GSP this guy's like the fuck he's like Captain America he never gets mad at anybody he doesn't let anybody get under his skin he fucking stays He's like a robot. He just fucking goes in and does what he's got to do. He's made him that mad. And then I see this Nick Diaz guy, and he just look. He just looks the part. Like, fuck you, bitch. I'll fuck you up. And it was just the two worlds. The guy who spikes the football and the guy who just hands it to the referee. Colliding. I got to see this shit. 
I want to see what a furious fucking GSP looks like. And I want to see if this other guy can actually back up all his shit talking. So I order the fucking fight. It ends up being a great fight. I'm not saying that I got fucked in this fight at all. It's totally worth it. And the fight before it was great with that dude from Texas with the heavy hands and the fucking Ulysses S. Grant beard. Loved it. Okay? But this is what pissed me off at the fucking end of it and made me feel stupid. Was in the end, you know, Rogan's uh, interviewing the guy. And then they're going, and he was going, you know, you seem like you got really angry and blah, 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 blah. And then he just goes, uh, you know, and I was waiting for him to be like saying, like, this guy is a piece of shit and I'm glad I fucking beat him. And I was waiting for him to finally see that side of him. And then he just goes, uh, GSP's just like, I did not take anything he said personally. He was a great fighter. He did a great job uh, promoting the fight. Everybody give him a round of applause. He is, he is, a, he is a good guy. It's like, what, what, wait a minute. I thought you snapped. I thought you did take it personal. Am I that fucking stupid? I felt like a fucking idiot. I did not take it personally. <laughs> it's like, George, however you say his name. The whole reason I fucking ordered the fight was because I thought you took it personally. I'm an idiot. I'm like Charlie Brown trying to kick the football. I fall for it. Every fucking time. Now, maybe it's because he won or maybe because he's so aware of his, his image that he just didn't let on that the guy annoyed the shit out of him. But they're fucking sitting there holding each other's arms up. Ah, man, you know, and it's just, I don't know. He absolutely snapped today. Fast forward. I did not take it personally. He is a great guy. Come over here. Uh, we are going to go play shuffleboard now. He is a great guy. He is a good competitor. And uh, and then the other guy's going like, hey, I think I'm done with the uh, MMA. I've died. You know, I'm sick of this. I don't know what to do now. And then George is in the background. No, no, no. Stick with it. You got, uh, you, you, can, uh, you can come back. He's like giving him words of encouragement. <laughs> I don't know. Am I an idiot? But I, that, that, that fucking annoyed me. Don't fucking tell me this guy's taking it personally, and then I ordered the fight, and then the fucking guy said he wasn't. That's false advertising. <laughs> I'm just fucking around. It was a great fight, but you know what I mean? Don't Look, I know they're just selling the fight, but don't fucking tell me that. Everything we said up until this point was bullshit. I'm actually friends with him and his wife. We go down to Applebee's every other day. We do not take it personally. Um, whatever. It was still a great fight. And, uh, you know, I got to keep saying that in case I fucking run into one of those guys. And they headbutt me with their fucking cauliflower ear. Like their ears, even their ears are tough, you know. Every time I watch a UFC event, you know what it is? It's the fucking kicks. That's what kills me. As amazing as it is to watch somebody who's on the bottom getting fucking taken elbows to their head. And and <laughs> fucking actually looking over at the clock like ah, 17 more seconds of this. I can handle it. Maybe if I bring my bloody forehead closer to his chest, um, he will he'll only maybe graze the back of my head. And, you know, I have fresh skin back there that hasn't been broken wide open at this point. Like the level of toughness that that is, that, that's a whole nother level. But when they're just standing up and the fucking one dude just kicks the other dude right where you'd get a Charlie horse. And they just take it. 
That fucking blows. Like, how do, how do you get that tough? Dude, I'm telling you right now, if I was standing in line at a fucking grocery store and some eight-year-old, and I had pants on, and some eight-year-old came up to me and just fucking whacked me, punched me. Nah, maybe not a punch. I could take a punch from an eight-year-old. All right, let, let's, let's move it up here. A fucking, an eight-year-old whose dad is like six, nine, so the kid's already five, fucking four. I'm just saying, any, if you ever want to just fucking knock me down, you don't have to be all fancy and hit me in the jaw. Just hit me in the leg right there. I will crumple like the fucking plaster in the ceiling of my office. Um, everything just goes back to that, doesn't it? Um, what else? What else can we talk about here? How about we talk hockey? Did anybody watch the Bruins-Pens game? Penguins game, they put on a fucking four-checking clinic. They uh, they were amazing. They looked great. And the fact that Gino isn't even back yet was uh, was pretty scary. I mean, we have a great defense, so we were able to keep it 2-1, to one, but it felt like it was more like 3-1, three, three like a back-in-the-day 3-1, when 3-1 was like the tipping point, because then if you went down by three goals, it was fucking over. There was no way you were coming back. Then they got rid of the red line, and then, you know, Within a minute, it's like a tie fucking score. But um, they look great. And Crosby is without a doubt the best player in the fucking league. It's insane. That fucking line that they have is terrifying. And uh, the only thing I'd say is they're, maybe their goaltending. I guess it's, they're starting to play better. But I don't know about their goaltending. I don't know. Either way. Either way. They beat us again. We finally beat the Capitals. That was cool. But we we're we're missing... A Crosby level. Now, fuck, nobody's at Crosby's level, but you know, we need a fucking fifty potential fifty goal scoring guy. Um, we need we need a next level guy. We got a defense, that's all good. We got the goaltending, that's all good. But like this whole shit where we're going to score two fucking goals a game and try to stop these upper echelon teams, it's just, it's not working. It's not fucking working. You know what's great? Did anybody watch the Capitals game? Of course you did. Did you see when that, that dude, was it Henderson or something, got kicked out? Whatever the fuck his name is. He gets kicked out of the game, and some Boston Bruins fan is screaming down at him to the point the guy stops and starts yelling back at him. You got to see. I got to. Oh, did I erase? I think I erased it. If anybody's got a copy of it, it's a fight about with like five minutes left in the game. And one of the Capitals gets taken off the ice. Oh, was it the end of the second period? I don't fucking know. All you know is you got to see the, the bouncer. The security guy who's in, in like the tunnel and he fucking comes walking out and just clear his day. He starts pointing at the Bruins fan and he goes, hey, shut your fucking mouth. Shut your fucking. And then they, they cut it. <laughs> I love it. I love seeing highlights of where I'm from and seeing the behavior hasn't changed. It makes me feel smarter. Um. All right, let's get to some um, emails for the week. Now, a lot of you guys always ask me, and I always forget to say, you know, if you want to email the podcast, you want to ask me questions, you want to trash me, you want to do whatever the hell you want to do, uh, it's bill at the mmpodcast.com. Bill at the capital M, capital M, capital P, oddcast.com. Um, all right. Army wife relocation. Hey there, Bill. I uh, hope your house is feeling better. Thank you. Um, it's actually, it's been gutted. It's been gutted at this point. That's where we're at. Um, I hope your house is feeling better. I am an army wife currently 
living in butt-fucking-burg, Kansas. We are stationed at Fort Riley until July this year when my sweetheart heads over, heads on over to Afghanistan. My conundrum is where should I move when he leaves because I sure as hell ain't staying here by myself. At any moment, a herd of fat, dirty, pajama-bottom-wearing Walmart shoppers with black-bottom feet. Jesus, can you paint a picture? Um, said, could lynch me for being brown and under 300 pounds. <laughs> I got to get out of here. And thankfully, I am fortunate to have two choices of where to go. And therein lies the reason that I need your assistance. Um, I could move back to Seattle where I lived two years ago. It's all true about Seattle, by the way. Beautiful, clean, white, depressing, rainy, better than Kansas. Or I could go to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where I have never lived, but I just visited last week. It's a little scary because I haven't driven like a complete retard with crystal meth throwing through my veins. So I don't know if I can handle myself on the road. But aside from that, it's got just as much going on going for me there as Seattle. And it's not fucking Kansas. Uh, I think that with all your travels, you must have some in- insight that you could really, you could relay loudly to me through your podcast. Um, if I, well, personally, I would pick Seattle over Fort Lauderdale, Florida, any day of the fucking week. The people are smarter. Um, you don't have the hurricanes. Like, Florida is like a destination state for dirtbags. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those, like, L.A. is a destination city for people like me. You know, I'm going to be a movie star, whatever dumb shit we want to do, right? So we come out here, you know, and then bitch about how flaky everybody is. And when the reality is it's us, you know, we're the ones coming out here. And we don't, we're not personally invested. Nobody's invested in this fucking city. Um, cause you always think I'm going to make my money and then I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Um, that's, and everybody's trying to make their money. So they're always looking over everybody's shoulder, trying to see the next person coming in the fucking room. And, uh, while they say everybody out here is flaky, but anyways, getting back to what you were talking about, I would go to, I mean, Seattle, Seattle's fucking beautiful. I know it rains. I know it's fucking depressing, but, um, Fort Lauderdale, I don't know, man. I mean, the fact that it's like, don't, don't the people go down there for spring break? Do you want that for like one month of your year? You know, waking up in the morning here and show your tits, show your tits. Do you want to do, you don't want to do that. You know, you got fucking hurricanes. There's alligators. They got mosquitoes the size of my fucking head. Um, I don't know. I mean, you got to understand, all I do is I fly in and I do a fucking gig down near, like, the strip mall area. And, like, I don't know. I like the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I like the Devil Rays. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Florida is 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 kind of like sunny Kansas in a way. You kind of still got the gun culture. You kind of still got the Walmart people. Um, I'm not saying they're all like that. You know what I mean? I mean, Tiger Woods lives there, right? Shaq has a place down. There's some zillionaires down there. You got, you got the fucking, all the movie stars living down there in Miami. But Fort Lauderdale? Um, 
I don't know. That's safe to say because I don't fucking play there. And I play Seattle. So I think I made a smart business move there. Personally, I would move to Seattle. Yeah, fuck that. Move to Seattle. Go down to the fish market. Get yourself a fucking clam sandwich. Whatever the fuck you do. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I don't fucking know. You, you got like on the other opposite ends of the spectrum. Listen, were you unbelievably depressed? If it's cloudy fucking nine months out of the year, then I wouldn't move there. But I'm just letting you know, I saw a T-shirt, one of the few really, truly funny T-shirts when I was in Florida. It said, Florida, a sunny place for shady people. You know, it's kind of like, you know, Florida is the sunny Alaska, I guess is what I should call it. Where there's a lot of people in Alaska who have some unfinished business down here in the lower 48, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink, little slap of the nose there. All right. There's a lot of people uh, running from things, you know. If the skaters don't get them, then the gators will. What fucking song was that? That just popped in my head. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Was that the one? Hang down your head and cry. Boo, 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 boo. Hang down. I wasn't good. Oh, boy, you're bound to die. That's funny back then. You could have like a hit song just talking about somebody who killed a woman. And then got hung. I met her on the mountain. Blah, 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 blue. Met her on the mountain. Stabbed her with my knife. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. That's a song about a guy. Hang down your head, you know, like I'm supposed to feel bad for Tom Dooley. It's like you fucking killed, you killed your girlfriend. Go fuck yourself, Tom. Um, all right. Addicted to vagina. The next one, everybody. How's it going there, Billy boy? I'm a 22-year-old college student. You're not addicted to vagina. You're a 22-year-old college student. You're doing what you should be doing. You don't have an addiction, all right? Uh, what are they, you're sowing your oats, whatever the fuck they say. Um, I've been seeing this girl for a while, nothing serious, but we've been hooking up on and off for about a year. All right, so you got a side piece. Nothing wrong with that. Um, she's incredible looking. What the hell am I? She has the natural body of a Playboy model. She's the kind of girl who doesn't need makeup. Are you going to keep saying the same thing over and over again? I'm jealous, you son of a bitch. Um, she has long blonde hair, and she's the most amazing fuck that can possibly exist. Oh, this is the curse of a guy. However, I want to fuck somebody else, right? She's ferocious in bed. <laughs> what does she growl at your balls? <laughs> Easy, lady, easy. Um, and for some reason, she thinks we're in the same league. He goes, but I hate her. I hate everything about her. Every contrived opinion that falls out of her soft, perfect lips. Every shitty band she tries to get me to listen to. Every unfunny, air quote, joke she insists on repeating over and over and over. Every going to nowhere story she spends five hours telling me. I hate her. Oh, my God. Uh, but I just keep agreeing to to see her. I've manned up and stopped replying to her text messages a few times now and blocked her on Facebook. But before long, she'll send me a text about some nonsense. The blood will start rushing to my cock, and all of a sudden, I'm standing next to her again. It's like a compulsion. I feel like a heroin addict. I get laid, but fucking other girls just feels like drinking non-alcoholic beer at this point. Can I just stop and say, a lot of you guys are really good writers. Like, that Kansas one was written really well. This was great. 
Like I would, it should be in Reader's Digest. They would fucking, you know, loosen the belt a little. Um, anyways, what do I do? Man up and suppress my instincts, throw her out the bedroom window, or quit cold turkey? Um, I never miss the podcast. Would love to go see you do a gig in Ireland. Go fuck yourself. Um, what do you do? Uh, uh, you know what? I was, I've never been able to solve that problem. You know? Because unless you just jerked off, you know, she's going to text you and it's just going to – it's going to be a layup and she's go- – like guys can't say no to layup pussy. We just can't, you know, unless we're like head over heels in love and like I guess, yeah, when you meet the right one, then you can say no. But you know what? It still pisses you off. fucking annoys you you know why because like when you're with the person you're supposed to be with and then somebody throws you a little something and it could fucking happen and you don't fucking do it you come home and you want to get credit for it and women go why should you get credit for something that you should be doing and it's like you know what go fuck yourself because go fuck yourself that's why because you're not me you're not a guy and we are literally we're designed to fucking be weak. So we will fuck you. So we could get out of the cave. So we, we could fucking progress. So we would procreate. We are, I, we are wired. Wired. To fuck. <laughs> this is such a moronic fucking podcast. I love it. Um, all right. So what should you do? <clears throat> all right. Well, ultimately in life, what do you want to be married to? The woman in your dreams or some girl who's ferocious in bed, oh, and, but you fucking can't stand everything that comes out of her mouth. You got to get rid of this girl, all right? It's not going to get any better. You did it a zillion times, all right? You, you got to go cold turkey. You got to cut her off, all right? Because what's going to happen is if you stay with her and then you end up fucking getting feelings for her, she might fuck you over and you never loved her to begin with or you get married to her and then... Then the fucking looks go away, and then you're just with this fucking idiot who can't tell a joke, can't tell stories, and listens to shitty music. And eventually, uh, you're going to pull a Phil Spector. Uh, that's what I'm going to – you know, your hair's going to be all over the place. You're going to stick a gun in her mouth. It's going to be horrible. You don't want to do that. All right? I would um, – what is hard, though, is you're saying she's so good in bed that it makes all the other girls seem like non-alcoholic beer. Well, you know, that's one of the – that's one of the dangers of going out and living life is uh, people who never leave their hometown, they just fucking stay there. They don't know what the fuck they're missing. So they can actually, in a way, you know, live a happier existence just by not fucking knowing. The fact is now, you know, you know a level of, uh, of banging that you didn't know before. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, you're in trouble, sir. (laughs) I can tell you this. You know, just standing outside of it, listening to it, you got to get rid of her. You can't stand her. Just get rid of her. You're just fucking her. Eventually, those tits are going to fucking sag. Um, But that that mouth's still going to work, okay? And when she's not blowing you, she's going to be telling you awful stories. So you know what you need to do. Um so there you go. 
I would just man up and get rid of it. And it's it's like, I don't know, the longer you get away from it, you know. Here's a great thing. You know what? I don't know. Next time you fucking rub one out, think of her immediately afterwards. All right? And that's going to be your true fucking feeling about her. All right? <laughs> Facebook messages. Hey, dear Billy, uh, I need your help dealing with the girlfriend issue. I have been seeing my lady since December. I'm 30 and she is 27. That's a good fucking age difference. I like it. She lived in the city and I lived in the country. We started as a long distance relationship, but it got serious quickly. And now she has moved back home. Um, she's, what is this, fucking Green Acres? Um, she is busy buying her own house but has stayed with me for the last two weeks. We've talked about me moving in with her. We tell each other, I love you, and we're making plans for the future, etc., etc. So today I log onto my computer and her Facebook page is still logged in. Uh-oh. This is a whole new world, man. The Facebook thing. Uh, me being a curious creep, I started snooping. In the message section, I find a conversation she's had with the former boyfriend, on February 1st, she tells the guy, I still miss your face. Done. It's over. Walk away. Walk away. Like De Niro and Heat. Just fucking get up and walk out. It's over. I don't need, I don't even need to read the rest of this, sir. It is fucking over. But I'll keep reading it just because I have to fill up an hour here. But I know, you know, the people listening know. Um... Anyways, he goes, I don't see any response from the guy. Then on February, February 11th, she trolls out another message. I love how now you're stalking her Facebook page. <laughs> As well, you should. You had probable cause. You never did. No, you were, you were a creep. And then you found, you know what? This wouldn't stand up in court because court you didn't have a warrant. But you know what? You got instinct and you can't teach that. Um, anyways, she trolls out another message that say, hope all is well. And again, no response. Yeah, dude, she's settling for you. I hate to tell you that, but she's settling for you. What she's trying to do is, is if this motherfucker goes, you know, I miss your face too, she's out. All right? But if he doesn't, he doesn't get back to her, she's going to settle for you. Okay? And I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just saying the feeling isn't there. She's settling for you, which means the entire time of your fucking marriage, every time you're not looking at her, she's just going to be staring at the back of your head, looking at your dumb shoulders, something, just going like, Ugh, how the fuck did I end up with, how did I fuck that other one up? You know? You don't want to be that. You got to get somebody who's crazy about you. Anyways, here we go. There were some previous somewhat explicit messages they sent back and forth before we got together and messages about how they should text instead of Facebook. All that being said, she is good. To, all that being said, however, everybody, uh, she is good to me. I'm good to her. And we have fun, a fun, loving relationship. I had solid trust. And now I'm very confused. How should I approach her with this? I know if I keep it to myself, it's going to fester and really piss me off. Would you head for the hills immediately or give the relationship a chance? Thanks and go fuck yourself. This is what I would do. I would be 100% honest with her. Say, listen, I got to be honest with you. 
Uh, what the fuck is today? The 18th, about a month and a half ago, I went to use the computer and your Facebook page was open. And even though I shouldn't have looked, I did look. And then she's going to start crying and she's going to start fucking, she's going to turn her fucking cap around backwards and get in your face and start screaming and yelling, blah, 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 blah. Fuck all of that. Fuck all of that. She's going to come at you like that because she knows what's coming. All right? And don't get mad. Don't take the fucking bait. This is the time, sir. You have to hang on to your fucking emotion. She's going to cry or she's going to yell or she's going to do both because she knows what the... F- How could you snoop? Well, you didn't trust me anyways. You know, and, and you don't have the line that they, they have where they just, you know, female intuition. They, they get to hide behind that, you know, like, like guys don't have any fucking instincts. Like we weren't blessed with any of that, you know, fucking chasing down saber tooth tigers with sharpened sticks. Like we weren't, we weren't blessed with any sort of instinct. Give me a fucking break. All right. So anyway, she's going to cry or she's going to yell or she's going to do fucking both. And you just stand there and you let her do it. All right. And when she's done yelling and crying or whatever the fuck it is, just say, yeah. And I saw a message that you wrote to an old boyfriend saying, I still miss your face. You know? And then you tried to contact him again on the 11th, and it's been bugging me. And I didn't want to bring this up to you because I didn't want to look like a creep, and I didn't want to hurt your feelings that I don't trust you. But um, you obviously still have feelings for this person. And I guess you're settling for me. Like if this guy doesn't get back to you, then you're going to move forward with and settle for me. And that's not what I want. I want someone who's crazy about me and doesn't have other issues. You you seem to have unresolved stuff with this guy. And, um, you know, I'm not getting any, any, any younger. So, you know. And then she's, yeah, break it up with me. Blah, 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 and all this shit. And just keep going. Listen. Um, there's a face that you miss, sweetheart, and it's not mine. <laughs> you know, sir, take your heart and stick it on the fucking nightstand and go into your brain. All right? Get some self-esteem here. This is fucking bullshit. All right? All that being said, she's good to me. She's not good to you. Not 100%. All right? I'm telling you, get out of it. Get out of it. Fuck that. All right? Did I make myself clear? (laughs) All right, next one. UFOs. Dude, my question is in here somewhere. Oh, for fuck's sakes. I got to read all of this. Brace yourselves, everybody. Dude, did did I tell you guys I fucking got on the goddamn scale? And I'm 185. I was all the way down to 170 pounds. I, I fucking, I was too skinny then. I should have been like 172. That's my fighting weight. I put on, I put on 13 fucking pounds. I tell you, you know, you know what's the dumbest thing you can do is when you don't want to get on the scale. You're like, I should get on the scale. Go, no, don't, because I don't want to know that you're just signing yourself off to another fucking 10 fucking pounds. I had a waffle witch in Wisconsin. What the fuck was I thinking? I was on that crack again. I was hitting the pipe. I was doing the sugar salt fucking arm wrestle, you know. So now I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go run the fucking stairs now. 
I did that to myself because I ate a fucking waffle witch in Grand Rapids, fucking with uh, Michigan. Uh, it wasn't just a waffle witch. I had McDonald's twice. You know, why did I have McDonald's? I don't know. I don't know why I did. I went by. I was like, you know, I haven't had one of those in a while. And I fucking, you know, hit the pipe again. Had that. I started drinking Miller High Life in a fucking can. They had the, the talls right down the street. And it became like this ritual. I watch a hockey game. I throw back a tall. You know, hey, maybe I'm about two. Next thing you know, I'm having one a period. And then I'm looking down at my stomach and I'm going like, nah, really? Come on. This isn't, I'm all right. I had a banana for breakfast, right? I'm fine. <laughs> asshole. I'm a fucking asshole. I ate a piece of cake yesterday. I had green frosting. What the fuck is wrong with me? What am I doing? You know? When, when, when am I going to bottom out? So I bottomed out. So now I'm back. I'm down to about a buck 82. I've dropped like a couple, two or three pounds. And, uh, you know, ah, it's fucking moron. I'm a moron. You know, I'm like, I'm like Bill Clinton before the heart attack. Up and down, up and down with the fucking weight. All right, UFOs. Dude, my question is in here somewhere. I am nowhere near a conspiracy freak or anything like that, but I do admit I get a hard-on for any documentary on that secret military base in Nevada that is called Area 51. The government is supposed... Well, I mean, believing in aliens, like... I, I, I don't know. That, that's really not that crazy. You know, you, you think, like, how big the fucking universe is? There's just life on one planet. No life anywhere else, despite the fact that they see evidence of water on Mars at some point. You know, I'm telling you guys, we're not that special. If you're God and you made the whole universe, are you I'm just going to sit back watching one fucking planet? Maybe that's why the Earth is so fucked up. I don't think he's been watching us for the last couple thousand. When was the last time he reached out? Reach out, reach out, and freak someone out. Right? When was the last time he fucking did that? When was the last time he fucking was in a burning bush going, hey, hey, you there, you there with the long fucking curvy stick next to the sheep. Come over here. Come over to the burning bush. You know, when was the last time he did that? I think he's been watching other Earths. Um, flipping through the channels. You know? Can you imagine how clear his fucking... How big do you think God's flat screen TV is? How clear... Is that picture? I bet even if you make it to heaven, you know, you don't even get to see it. Like he comes out of his office and you try to peek in real quick. And like the human eye, you, it just it's just too much of a fucking glare, right? Um, so anyways, yeah, if you believe in aliens, I mean, I mean, I don't know that, that, that we can reach one another. You know, that whole flying saucer fucking horseshit. I mean, how long can you go with with artificial breathe? You know, some sort of atmosphere in there. That was like on Star Trek. I mean, they just had this limitless supply of fucking oxygen. Just fucking flying through space. They now look at them. They landed on a lot of planets that had oxygen. They would just land on these planets, and they just had oxygen. I think what they did was they opened the they landed. The Starship Enterprise, and they just opened the windows, and they got some more oxygen, and then they, they flew away, right? Isn't that how it works? <clears throat> Anyways, 
Um, the government supposedly is housing and researching crashed UFOs and uses deadly force to keep regular people out. Do you have any opinion on the subject? I think I just said I mean, I don't fuck. Do I think they actually have the bodies of aliens? Um, do, you, do you realize, like, the level of secrecy you would have to have if you actually had that shit? That would be, like, one of the things before they went in the room. It's like, okay, we're going to let you in this room. And you got to understand, when you go in this room, the door is closing and you're never getting out. Because you're going to see some fucking shit in here that I don't give a fuck you're not, if you have one shot of NyQuil, you're, you're going to be blabbering about it. You, you can't do it. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't fucking know. Um, anyways, he goes, what does your bullshit meter say? I think there's way too much of a veil of secrecy around the place to think otherwise. I used to know someone who was a career Air Force pilot. Whenever the subject of that base or those mysterious f- flights, mysterious lights over Phoenix seen in 1997 came up he completely removed himself from the conversation uh those mysterious lights i don't even know what you're talking about for all you know they're just testing some psycho fucking weaponry you know remember when the new yankee stadium came out in like 08 or 09 and they were like we have 2013 technology all right if those fucking morons that run that place can have shit that we're not going to have you know, they can be four or five years ahead of us. Can you imagine what the government is? I mean, they, they got to have shit from like, I don't know, 2014. I, I have no fucking idea. I don't know. Anyways, he says, uh, quite frankly, the evening's laughs would end right after the topic was brought up. I believe in life outside of our universe. To think that we human and all of Earth's inhabitants are the only life anywhere is just plain ignorant. I 100% agree with that. Uh, I'm sure you've heard stories about President Nixon secretly showing UFOs and aliens to his favorite comedian, Jackie Gleason. Uh, That's a complete crock of shit. Uh, What would you (laughs) – like he's going to do that? All right. Now, I know I'm not supposed to show you the – I know I'm not supposed to show you the show. And away we go. That was a bad Nixon impression right there. Um, What would happen if you were shown some stuff like that? I imagine I would immediately be microchipped or shot in the back of the fucking head. Would you tell about it? I wouldn't want to know about that. That If I actually found out about that, it would blow my fucking mind. I, you know what it is? Look, maybe, the, maybe your Air Force guy, buddy, that has seen something. Because I would say that like all converse No, but you know what? He laughs right up until that moment. If he wasn't laughing at all throughout all your conversation... Then I would I would believe it more because I know if I knew some shit like that, and then I would sit there and listening to people talking about God and holy shit that we believe down here that didn't include aliens, I would I would feel like a fucking alien because I would be like, uh, yeah, we're just a speck of dust there, people, and there's all this other stuff out there, and uh, yeah, I mean, it would drive me nuts after a while. Um, yeah. No, I'm not cut out for that fucking uh, – the kind of secrets I can keep are like, uh, you know, you know, it stays in the locker room kind of shit. You know what I mean? You live your life how you want to fucking live your life, you know, and, until – like if you're uh, – look, if you're pouring shit into the water supply, you know, if you're doing stuff like that, if you're fucking vandalizing 
the neighborhood I live in, then go fuck yourself. All right? But, you know, the other bullshit, I look the other way. But if, if I knew there was fucking aliens, yeah, no. There's, look, I'm too fucking stupid. There's no way they would tell it to me. If I was in the Air Force, how far into the Air Force do you think I would get? Do you think I'd get anywhere beyond the guy with the two sticks guiding the fucking plane in? You know? I don't know. Anyways, he says Blackhawks first Bruins for the 2013 Stanley Cup. Hawks and fives, maybe six. Uh, I don't see us making the Stanley Cup finals. I hate to say that unless we uh, make a trade. I know we're looking for Alfredson, but I don't know who we're going to give up for him. But uh, I saw a gap between us and the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'd be interested to see how those how some of the other teams. I'm going to start watching the Penguins. I'm waiting to see when they play uh, the Canadians because I want to see if the Canadians are as good as their record because they're fucking killing it right now. They really are. Um, oh, by the way, that almost made me stop rooting for GSP when the crowd started going, ole, 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 ole. And the only thing that saved me was he had the Quebec Nordique fucking tattoo on the back of his cap. So I'm like, all right, this guy fucking, he likes the avalanche. All right, Belinsky. Many times you've said we're all doomed because of overpopulation, but it's actually the opposite. We are doomed because people are not having enough children. Oh, Jesus. Okay, from, uh, oh, Jesus. Did you join a cult, sir? All right, you know what? I'll, I'll go along with this. The following article discusses what I'm talking about. We'll, I'll put this link up on the uh, podcast page for everybody to read. Essentially, America's fertility rate is declining, meaning the population will get older and older as it also shrinks, meaning more health care costs and fewer reasons for businesses to innovate and provide better products. Also, global population growth is slowing to a halt and will begin to shrink within 60 years. Um, I don't know where you're getting your stats from, sir, but uh, okay. Low fertility societies don't innovate because their incentives for consumptions tilt overwhelmingly toward health care. They don't invest aggressively because the average age skewing higher and capital shifts to preserving. Sir, are you addressing, are you ever going to address what the environment? Are you going to address what we've done to the environment? Or are you one of those people who believes that 7 billion people on this planet, okay, and that horse shit out there in the Pacific Ocean that's fucking two, two and a half times the size of Texas and two miles deep, that swirling pile of trash out there? We put a fucking hole in the ozone layer, okay? Less people as far as for the survival of humanity, okay? Fuck all selling widgets and all of that horse shit. And, well, everybody's going to be on the iron lung if we don't have any babies. Um, a bunch of people need to die. They need to die off. There's way too many fucking people. There's only so much fresh water. There's only so much natural resources. There's only so much fish you can pull out of the ocean. There's only so much fucking shit you can throw in the ocean before there's that tipping point. Tipping point. Um, what you're sending me, sir, is not facts. What you're sending me is an angle. This is this guy's angle. I will read this angle. Okay. But what I love is that someone has written that, that you know, um, overpopulation 
You're like, many times you said that we're all doomed because of overpopulation, but it's actually the opposite. What, because this guy says so? So the other smart people that read the, wrote those other studies, they're immediately all full of shit because this other guy said this. You know? Did you read the shit that I read? Because I'll read your thing. But um, I think the problem is, is that human beings will never stop believing that we're, we're fucking important. And that we're made in God's image and all that other fucking egomaniac shit that eventually causes you to have fucking eight kids and go out and buy two flat screen fucking TVs. <clears throat> the solution, sir, is not more people. Okay? I mean, think about it. What, what, were we doomed back in the day a thousand years ago? What was the world population then? Were we doomed? We somehow survived. How are we not going to survive, sir? Because of these health care costs? We have a national debt that we're never going to fucking pay. We're still all going to work every day. People still have apples in their mouths when they want them. I don't understand what the fuck you're saying. The greatest thing that could happen for the possible, I believe, for the survival of humanity is if there was way less of us. Way fucking less. Way, way, way fucking less. All right? And if you somehow were able to weed out sociopaths along the fucking way and selfish cunts. I think if you just weeded out sociopaths and selfish cunts, you'd have the right number on this planet. And I think it would be under seven figures. <laughs> Whatever, sir. I'm just fucking with you. I'll, I'll read your your, I read your shit. You know, but don't come at me like you fucking know what you're talking about any more than I do because you read some stupid article. All right. Um, I love how it's all based around business. Low fertility societies don't innovate because their incentives for consumptions tilt overwhelmingly towards healthcare. Uh, I don't. I don't. I just in f philosophy, I just don't believe in that whatsoever. All right, but I am a moron, but I think I'm smarter than you because I can admit that. All right, that's the podcast for this week, everybody. Uh, as always, if you'd like to donate to this podcast, just go to the Amazon link on my uh, podcast page, billbird.com. Click on the podcast page. You just click on the Amazon link. If you want to buy something, it'll take you right to Amazon. It doesn't add any money. They kick me a little bit of money for whatever you buy, and then I take the 10% of that, and I send it on to the w Wounded Warriors Project. And, uh, and that's it. That's the podcast for this week. Go fuck yourselves. And I will uh, hopefully this time next week, I will find myself uh, somebody knows how to put together my house the way it used to be. If anybody lives in the Los Angeles area and has lived through this shit and wanted to restore the wood and everything to the way it was. And, you know, know of a contractor or somebody, please uh, send me an email. Bill at the mmpodcast.com. Look me up on Twitter, Facebook, anything. Reach out to me. I am. I'm open to all suggestions, and I really appreciate everybody who's helped me so far to steer me in the right direction. It means a lot to me. All right, go fuck yourselves. We'll talk to you next week.